And we are on air for Fan for Racing, NASCAR, and Race Talk Review of Kansas. And joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Hughesman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Always a pleasure to be here on a Monday night for Race Review. (laughs) Exactly. We appreciate your support in being here. This is Monday night, October the 21st. And uh, we are going to talk a lot about Kansas Speedway and the racing that took place there. We're going to start with a review of the Arkham Menard Series uh, finale that took place at Kansas this weekend. And at 8.40, we will have our guest, Christian Eckes, the 2019 Arkham Menard Series champion with Venturini Motorsports, joining us. And uh, he's got uh, limited time with us. So we're going to try to make the most of that uh, conversation as we uh, get a chance to talk with him uh, about his championship uh, this season. And he also won the race at Kansas Speedway. So uh, it was a a doubly big day for Christian Eckes at uh, Kansas this weekend. At at, uh, 8.50, we'll get into uh, uh, talking about – uh, we've uh, kind of some updates from the uh, Canon Pro Series, and at nine o'clock we'll do some updates from the Gander Outdoor Truck Series. They did not race this past weekend, but they will be racing at Martinsville this coming weekend. At nine twenty, our review gets into the Xfinity Series at Kansas. We do have some post-race audio from Brandon Jones, the winner of that race. Uh, we'll have about five and a half minutes of that. And then at 9.40, we finish up with the Cup Series race at Kansas Speedway. And in this case, our post-race review, our audio, is with Joe Gibbs and the crew chief, uh, Chris Gabehart. So uh, that's about uh, seven, almost eight minutes of uh, conversation there uh, with both of them after that race. 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with co-host Angela Lasky, and he'll be joining us during that half hour. Uh, I'm sure we've got a few things to talk about during our Hot Topic Sound Off for tonight, Jay. Yeah, I always seem to come up with some, and I think it started already maybe as far back as Friday during practice and qualifying, so uh, several more added throughout the weekend for sure. Yes, indeed. Okay, with that, let's go ahead and get into the Arkham Menard series. Going into the race at Kansas, uh, the team, the leader in the series point standings was two Venturini drivers uh, with Michael Self holding the lead, and right behind him was Christian Eckes. Uh, Michael Self led the first part of that race, but it was Christian Eckes who passed him uh, and won the race. Uh, to win not only that race, but to win the championship as well for the season. Uh, That race, by the way, was a little bit of a microcosm of uh, Christian Eckes' season. It was. I mean, he he had no room for error, and we'll talk to him here in a little bit. I know you said he's got a short window, so get in as much as we can with him. But to turn in the season he did, especially with having to sit out a race, is just phenomenal. It really is. Uh, you know, he's the first uh, driver uh, in a very long time since the late 90s uh, to have won a ra- run the championship, even though he missed 
a race. So since 1996, Tim Steele was the last driver to do that in the Arkham Menard Series. So uh, that uh, is a pretty big deal for um, Christian Eckes to be able to do that. After all these years, uh, even though he missed a race, he was able to come back and win that championship. He was actually leading the series points, Jay, uh, before he kind of ran into a medical issue. Yeah, and, and like I said, to come back from that, and, and like you said, with the competition that's out there in his own garage as, a, as his Venturini teammate, um, to be able to do that with missing a race just uh, kind of blows my mind, you know. I mean, because by no means Michael Self had a great year. Uh, little spots where points were missed, and, you know, that happened this weekend just with getting the pole position. Michael Self had to start on the outside and missed out on a couple of points there. Uh, I believe in the Arkham Menard series it's five points. Um, you know, he did everything he could. He went out and he led the most laps. So uh, that, you know, gave him that little bit of an edge. Um, but Christian was able to still come away with the win and take it from him. Yes, it, it really is amazing. When you look at Venturini Motorsports and how they dominated this season uh, with those two drivers and the other drivers that filled in uh, throughout the season, there were several, including Chandler Smith, Ty Majewski, um uh, you had uh, Haley Deegan, uh, several drivers uh, stepping into Venturini Motorsports cars this year. Uh, they had, a t- in 20 races, they had 14 wins, 14 poles, 42 top five finishes, and 1,802 laps led. That's 67% of the total laps of 2,653. So just a phenomenal season for Venturini Motorsports. Well, and that obviously shows up in the standings there, uh, as well as each and every race. I believe Ty Majewski mentioned him uh, finished third in that race uh, itself. So, I mean, that tells you, again, this wasn't a a fluke. It's been that way all year. One, two, and three, Christian Eckes, Michael Self, and Ty Majewski. Uh, Michael Self did everything he could. Uh, but Christian Eckes prevailed in the end. Uh, Ty Majewski would have liked to have made it another win for him, Uh, but uh, these guys were in a heated battle. Brett Holmes uh, finished fourth and Travis Braden fifth. Tanner Gray came in sixth and Drew Dollar seventh. Haley Deegan eighth and Joe Graff Jr. ninth with Dustin rounding out that top ten. So pretty, pretty amazing. Well, and there you go. That's uh, I don't have the stats. Uh, Haley Deegan, I believe, six starts this year, if that was her sixth start. Um, I know she came off a sixth-place finish in her last race, eighth place uh, this weekend at Kansas. So there again, these drivers that are stepping up and to get that experience, being able to run up front in these top teams, such as uh, Venturini Motorsports. Yes, it, it really is a great opportunity. You know when you get a ride with Venturini that you're getting a quality ride. Uh, now, the series point standings, the way that ended up, uh, that's the race results. I wanted to look at the point standings. I must have clicked on the wrong uh, link here. Uh, the way the point standings ended up, Christian Eckes uh, was first at 4,795 points. 25 points behind him was Michael Self in second. Brett Holmes finishing third. Travis Braden fourth. And Joe Graff Jr. rounds out the top five. In sixth place is Tommy V. Jr., who actually 
uh, I think he took the, uh, was it the rookie of the year? He took I, believe, the title. I believe so, yeah. Okay. So, uh, it was a big year for him as well, finishing sixth in the series point standings. All three of those that you mentioned, or four that you mentioned, they're following those two championship contenders, uh, Brett Holmes, Travis Braden, Joe Graff Jr., and Tommy V. And we, you heard them read as we read down the top ten from this race. Again, having great years, the two Venturini cars just had awesome years, you know. I mean, so <laughs> as they kind of get overlooked, but they were there all year. We kept expecting any one of them to get that win each and every race. Yes, uh, without a doubt, uh, and and they were knocking on the door. They had great seasons as well. It's just that the Venturinis were kind of unstoppable this season, and especially Michael Self and Christian Eckes, uh, their entire seasons were just uh, kind of off the charts, if you will. <laughs> and and we saw that in a couple of the series, and this one's highlighted by that, uh, to have such a good season and come up short, I mean, tells you the competition level that's out there. And like you said, Venturini was just absolutely on top of their game uh, throughout the entire year. Yes, they were. And uh, it's going to be tough to kind of beat that uh, moving forward. Uh, Now, we are expecting uh, Christian Eckes here any moment. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, chatting with him about his season as well as winning uh, at Kansas Speedway this weekend and winning the championship. Uh, it doesn't always happen that way, uh, but it certainly happened that way this weekend. Well, and what I like to see there is I know that at the top level of NASCAR, they have changed to the playoff system because they felt some of, some of their seasons got to be where you weren't seeing a championship battle come down to the end. This one did. I mean, and that's why I don't know that that has to be implemented across the board in all forms of racing. Because we saw here in the Arkham Mm. Nard series, these two battled it out until the end of that event. That is so true. Joining us now, though, is Christian Eckes. He is now the 2019 Arkham Nard series champion. And uh, first of all, Christian, I want to say congratulations to you for not only winning at Kansas, but for winning the championship. Uh, That race, though, was a little bit of a microcosm of your entire season. Yeah, uh, that's definitely the truth there. It was uh, a little bit of a rough weekend, up and down for sure, but uh, we still were able to win and take home a championship. Absolutely. Take us through the the weekend or the day and uh, uh, let us know kind of your emotions and thoughts as you kind of went through uh, the process to finally get to the point that you made that pass and and was able to take over the lead. Yeah, I felt like we had a pretty solid car in in practice and obviously we blew up in qualifying. So gave me a a little bit of a setback there, but uh, thankfully our car was good enough. We were able to drive through the field and and make our way to the front and uh, pass Michael there in the final race car. Okay, and and that pass is what puts you out front uh, to be able to win that race. Um, and and then your emotions uh, as you finished the race and you knew that you had the championship in hand. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a 
a special moment. Um, Having never won a championship before, so uh, you know, finally get the first one was, was definitely special, and it was uh, special to do it in the Arca Series as well. Well, and and it was pretty phenomenal, uh, Christian, when you think about it, because you missed a race earlier in the season uh, with an, a medical issue, and you're the first driver since 1996 to miss a race and still win the championship. Uh, that's quite a record to break. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, just a true culmination of, of teamwork and, and everybody at uh, Venture Motorsports has worked super hard for this. And um, we definitely uh, turned it around from the first half of the year. Yes, you did. Okay, now with me is our co-host, Jay Huseman. I know he has a few questions for you, and I know your time is limited here. So um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and hand the mic over to uh, Jay. All right. Well, I just want to say congratulations as well there, uh, Christian. Um, great job on and a phenomenal season. You talked about just that race of what you went through, but you kind of run us quick through that this, this season. You missed that race. You know you pretty much got to be on point the rest of the season and managing that knowing you don't kind of don't have a mulligan to fall back on. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, we we missed that race, and then we just had constant problems after that, really up until about race 12. And, and then after that, we really got our stuff together, and, and we uh, clicked off seven top two finishes along with three wins. So, um, like I said, everybody did a great job, and it's uh, it's, it's cool to be able to, to be a part of some successful teams. And, you know, this is definitely uh, one of the best teams I've ever been with. So, um, you know, it's been a long journey, and just excited to uh, be a part of it. Well, obviously, with winning the Arkham Menards Championship this past weekend, I'm sure you're still in celebration mode, and probably can't talk sure. a whole lot about next year. But I've seen a lot of your name attached to a lot of possibilities into the future. Anyway, uh, anything you can tell us there, or talk about, or at all? Yeah, I mean, not really. I'm not 100% sure exactly what I'm doing yet. Um, you know, I'm very hopeful about a few things, but, uh, you know, nothing has really gone pen to paper yet. So it's going to have to see, but, um, you know, I'm pretty excited about what's going to work and, and hopefully it uh, goes through. All right. Well, again, we appreciate the time. I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Just want to say congratulations one more time there. And uh, I'm sure those opportunities, it helps when you put 2019 Arkham Menards champion with it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, man. Okay, Christian, uh, along with that, uh, for the rest of this season, are there any other times that uh, we're going to see you behind the wheel? Yeah, I run uh, Martinsville this weekend, and then I'll run Homestead here in a few weeks in the truck series for KBM. Okay, so we do get a couple more chances to see Christian Eckes behind the wheel. What was the highlight of this season for you? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say it was Kansas. Um, so far, uh, you know, we're going to have a shot at a, a truck donors championship most likely here when we go to Homestead. So that might top it. But as of right now, uh, you know, the winning the championship and just kind of having everything come together is uh, definitely the highlight. Well, and and uh, I think it was a highlight for a lot of fans as well. Uh, I know Michael Self is your teammate, and there's probably some mixed emotions uh, about doing that, but w- 
Did you guys have a conversation uh, beforehand about if, what happens if it comes down to the end of the race? Yeah. Um, you know, we really didn't have a conversation per se. Um, you know, we, we've talked before the race and stuff like that, like, uh, you know, normal friends would. But, uh, you know, I think we both had the respect of each other to know that, you know, the gloves are off. Um, this is the last race here, and, and our teams have worked really hard to get to this point, and we've worked really hard to get to this point. Uh, you know, we both want it. So, um, you know, as a whole, I, I just feel like we both had the respect of each other, and, and we knew that, you know, whatever happens, happens at this point. Yeah, I think that's good. And, and you can tell that you guys uh, did have that respect. And, and uh, you know, Venturini uh, as a whole just had a phenomenal season as well. Uh, and we talked about that a little bit earlier. Before we go, what shout-outs do you want to make uh, to uh, people behind the scenes that maybe are not always recognized? Yeah, I'd probably say my whole Venturini team. Uh, you know, like I said, they they really stepped up here. Last seven races, you know, everybody on the team: Kevin, Alex, uh, Griffin, Matt, um, you know, our truck driver, um, Steve Wheeler. Just everybody is involved. Uh, done a great job, and through just like I said, I'm really excited and proud to be a part of such a great team. Well, I'll tell you what: you guys put on uh, a great season for the fans. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch uh, this season as, uh, you know, you were out front, you kind of were behind chasing, and uh, in the end you were, you were able to hold the trophy up high. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun to watch, and, and we have a lot of respect for Venturini Motorsports and, and both you and uh, Michael Self and what both of you were able to accomplish this season. Yeah, I appreciate it a lot. Well, uh, Christian, good luck uh, on your next race here at uh, Martinsville, uh, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, maybe chatting with you again somewhere down the road here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Real quick, how can fans follow you if they want to hear any news that's coming from you for the 2020 season? Uh, Yeah, you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram, just at Christian Eckes, and then uh, Facebook, I think it's Christian Eckes, so. Pretty much just my name. That makes it pretty easy. <laughs> okay, That's thanks right. a lot, Christian. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Talk to you uh, later. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was Christian Eckes, the 2019 Arkham and Art Series champion, and uh, uh, really fantastic to see him prevail uh, in a season that he had a lot of ups and ups and downs. And, uh, you know, and, and not only the season, but that race in particular, he had so many things happen and was still able to prevail with the victory and the championship. And, and I think that's what's going to be highlighted and noticed by other team owners as they take a look at him. Obviously, he's going to move up at some point, And that's something I think that, that is going to ring very loudly to them is that pressure that was there and he handled it. You know, I think that says a huge thing uh, about him as a driver and his capabilities. It, it really does. We've said this before, that a, a real sign of a champion is is the guy. It's not that they don't make mistakes. It's how do they deal with the mistakes that are made and and get through that. 
uh, to prevail, and that's exactly what Christian Eckes and his team did this season. Uh, they prevailed, uh, and and again, it wasn't just a season; it was the race at Kansas Speedway, and uh, they just did a fantastic job of that. Uh, not that Microsoft didn't; I mean, he had a, he had his ups and up and downs as well. Uh, it was just a shame that it had to come down to one or the other. Uh, and that it couldn't be both somehow because uh, both of those guys put on a great season. I think so. And for Michael Self, again, he was known as as a road course racer to come in, win on short tracks, win on super speedways. Uh, He's got absolutely nothing to hang his head about. I know he's probably thinking back of, well, if I'd have done this in this race, you know, it would have been different, but that's always the case. But, again, I think coming in and running the full season in the Arkham Menard Series, and I know when I talked to him at Five Flags, you know, he's like, yeah, short tracks really aren't my thing. And he went out and whooped them. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think that tells you about him, too, as far as putting in that effort That's and mentality right. of racing the full season, not just a race here and there. Well, and it wasn't just the short tracks. It was the dirt tracks. He'd never raced on dirt before, and he went out and won on dirt as well. So, uh, just an amazing season also for, for Michael Self. We don't want to discount that at all uh, because uh, we feel like he, he really put on a great uh, show for the fans and a great season as well. Uh, and we really respect what Christian Eckes was able to do as well uh, with his season and missing a race and being able to come back and win that championship and the race. So, uh, and Venturini, I hope at some point here in the future we can get Bill Venturini to come on the show. I would love to chat with him about this season. I think it's probably one of the best uh, that they've had in in his career. And uh, uh, it really was phenomenal. And just just to kind of repeat what they were able to accomplish, uh, 14 poles, 14 victories, Excuse me, i got to pull it up here again. I, they had uh, 42 top five finishes, 1,802 laps led, 67% of the total, which is 2,653. So just just an incredible season for Venturini Motorsports, and uh, we, we tip our hats to them as well for, for a stellar se- season in uh, this 2019 year. So uh, with that, uh, anything more that you wanted to say, Jay? No, I, I think the future looks great for them, as and obviously them being a part of the Arkham Menard series, um, as we saw some of their part-time drivers, Chandler Smith, Ty Majeski, Haley Deegan, um, when we see them come full-time, whenever that may be, and, and again, just with, with that team of what they've built back to. Uh, I know we talked about that a little bit. They had kind of a little bit of a lull for a year or so, Um, versus what they were at back in the day. And uh, you can't return to the top of the mountain any stronger than what they did this year. No, without a doubt. Okay, now uh, I want to go ahead and move on to the Canon Pro Series. Uh, You know, there's not really any new news with regard to the Canon East. We all know Sam Mayer won the championship there. Uh, I think we may uh, get a chance to maybe see him race again. Uh, and you want to definitely follow him to see what's next 
for Sam Mayer. Uh, but the next race, the championship is not yet determined for the k Pro Series West. The next race for them is at Kern County Raceway Park. The Napa Annuals 150 will be this Saturday, October the 26th at 7.25 p.m. That's Pacific time, so that would be about 10.25 Eastern time. Uh, it will be streamed on fanschoice.tv. Uh, and it will also be the delayed broadcast will be on NBC Sports Network on Thursday, October the 31st at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, this is a 0.5-mile uh, paved oval. Last year's winner was Derek Krause, and the poll winner was Haley Deegan. So uh, we'll do a full preview of this show on Thursday night, but uh, this is going to be – uh, an interesting race, uh, Jay, because if you look at the points, the drivers between second and fourth are so tight in the point standings. It's it's just it's going to shuffle up some more, I think. Oh, there is no doubt about that. Um, you mentioned that Derek Krause is leading, has a 40-point lead, has not secured that yet. Um, obviously, with a win, if he were to get a win there at the track again this weekend, that might lock it up. But Trevor, Trevor Huddleston sitting in second at minus 40, Jagger Jones at 41, and Haley Deegan at 44. You're talking four points between second through fourth. Uh, so, again, right there, that battle is going to be on. And we've seen those drivers all win. Jagger Jones just coming off his first victory. Um, it's still possible that, again, if Kraus isn't on top of his game, you know, that championship is not locked down yet. So, uh, those three, although they're battling each other, they do still have their eye on the championship at this point. Well, and on winning the race. So they're going to be battling hard for that in this upcoming race. Fifth place driver is Todd Souza, who's had a really great season this year as well. Uh, so uh, he's a little bit further back. He's actually tied with Brittany Zamora uh, at 90 points back. Uh, but those guys are going to be looking to, to for that fifth-place position. That They're going to be battling for that. So there's a lot of different battles that are going on in this race, and uh, it's a do-not-miss event uh, for race fans uh, for uh, this coming weekend, Saturday, October the 26th. Uh, mark your calendars for this one. And, uh, it, again, it will be streaming live on uh fanschoice.tv and, and that's something that I hope fans realize when we talk about that Derek Krause having a phenomenal year there and a 40 yeah. point lead but these races you just mentioned 5th and 6th uh, Todd Caesar and Brittany Zamora out of 12 races both of them have 8 top 10 finishes that is a great year it puts them way back yes, in the points is. because yeah. a few other drivers are having those phenomenal years but there is some great racing going on throughout the top 10 in that series. It is not just about one driver that wins the championship. You know, like we said, the battle for second through fourth is four points apart. So obviously there's some great tight racing there. Without a doubt. And, and, uh, uh, you know, if you haven't watched the Canon pro series race, they're not long races, 
but there is a lot of action in the time that these guys have on the track. Uh, it is good grassroots racing, and I would encourage everybody, uh, if you haven't tuned in yet, uh, tune in for this race. It's the next to the last race before they determine their championship, uh, and uh, that championship will be at Phoenix International Raceway. Uh, it's really good that they're returning back there. Uh, for the season finale, it used to be that way all the time, uh, so I like seeing that again this season. That season finale will take place on Saturday, November the 9th, and uh, they'll be on the national stage just like the East was at Dover, and uh, uh, if you're anywhere near ISM Raceway, you'll want to be out there at the racetrack that weekend as well, as well as Kern County Raceway Park this weekend. Most certainly. I've been to uh, several of these K&N series, which is next year going to be the Arkham Menard series. Stay tuned to the homepage there. I know we're uh, here at Fan for Racing waiting for the separate Arkham Menards East and West schedules to come out. The main schedule has come out with the uh, showdown races. Um, waiting to see how these individual East and West schedules come out um, as we look forward to the 2020 season. Yes, without a doubt. Uh, we are definitely looking forward to that. Uh, just to refresh everybody's uh, mind on that, the Arkham and Art Series uh, will be uh, have their 20-race season, just like they've always had. Uh, ten of those races will be part of a showdown series. And uh, during that showdown series, uh what is now known as the Canon Pro Series East and West, next year will be known as the Arkham and Art Series East and West, and they can participate not only in their own series individually, but part of that showdown series as well. Uh, and when all three of those series kind of combine and race those showdown races. So it's going to be an exciting season, I think. Oh, most definitely. Uh, it's always cool when they roll something out new like that. I know we talked about it when we first heard about it. Um, seeing how it'll play out is going to be even more exciting. And then depending on if things need to be tweaked uh, as fans and, and the teams and, and NASCAR itself take a look at it and see if they, they can improve on it, which they've been known to do as well. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead, Jay, now and move on to the Gander Outdoor Truck Series. They did not race this weekend. Their last race was at Talladega Super Speedway, and uh, that was the first of their round of uh, eight uh, round, and it was a non-playoff contender winning. Spencer Boyd, if you haven't listened yet, you'll want to go back and listen to last Thursday night's show. We had Spencer Boyd on the show Thursday night, and uh, he gave us a great interview. Uh, he is with Young's Motorsports, and uh just some great insight from Spencer Boyd on that interview. And just to let everybody know, uh, we're doing some things here at Fan for Racing Radio uh, and expanding our availability on a lot of different podcast networks. So uh, I, I've noticed that we're available on Podbean and iHeartRadio now, as well as iTunes and TuneIn. Uh, all you have to do is type in Fan for Racing Podcast. And you'll see there's a there's a bunch of different avenues that you can listen to our podcast, as well as the players that we have available at fanparacing.com. I always have the uh, feed there, so you can look at the recent podcasts that we've done. 
and uh, be able to click on those links and listen as well. So, uh, uh, again, a really great interview by Spencer Boyd. That was the first race of the round of, uh, of uh, actually the round of six for the truck series. Uh, the next race is going to be this coming weekend, this Saturday, October the 26th at Martinsville, and then Friday, November 8th, they will be at ISM Raceway at Phoenix, and that is when there will be four, two more drivers eliminated in the final four that will move on to Homestead, Miami, will be determined at that race. I can't wait, Jay. <laughs> uh, most certainly not, and I know uh... – I didn't get into any specifics, but there actually is an article up on um, jayski.com under the truck series here. As he mentioned, he's going to be driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Yes. And that, that article talks about he is expected to compete full-time in the truck series next year with Kyle Busch Motorsports. And that was the one I was kind of alluding to, and I'm sure, you know, I kind of expected the answer of can't talk about it yet, but there has been yeah, a lot of talk about, about that. you're talking about Boyd? Or are you no, talking about I, Christian with Eckes? Christian Eckes, sorry. Um, okay. I'm just that just on, on with us. <laughs> yeah, um, there's Well, I was that, pulling up that, the, tr- the truck series as a whole, but that one just popped up as okay. one of the top articles. Yeah, well, keep in mind, this is the uh, Silly Season Rumors <laughs> site uh, and Rumors and News. So that is the rumor mill right now. Uh, we don't. That has not been confirmed by KBM, uh, but that is the expectation, and we hope to hear more about that uh, as uh, the time goes on here. Uh, a lot. He is chasing. He is going to be part of the owner's title, and he mentioned that on our show earlier. Christian Eckes did uh, that. He is racing at both Martinsville as well as Homestead, Miami, and will be uh, helping KBM maybe win the owner's title uh, in the truck series for this season yet. So there's still a lot to look forward to there uh, with Christian Eckes. But getting back to Spencer Boyd, uh, there was uh, news coming out for him today uh, with a new sponsor coming on board on his number 20 truck uh, for Martinsville. I'm not sure that I know how to pronounce this, but or or Roro <laughs> Heated Apparel uh, is going to be on his uh, on his truck this weekend, and uh, that's what's uh, giving him a chance to race at Martinsville this weekend. So uh, kudos uh, to Spencer Boyd and uh, what he's doing to uh, he's really hustling him and his team in order to keep racing in that truck series for the remainder of the season uh big kudos to them for that uh, accomplishment and you're right and he talks about that during that that interview which like you said was a great interview from him on on thursday of even going into talladega they got a company local company there that came on board with them uh, and to turn that around i believe that was originally supposed to be his last race as well and now you're talking about Martinsville. And obviously, again, putting down race winner uh, adds to that, and I see big things coming for that team as well as Spencer Boyd as a driver. So that is really great news. Yes, uh, definitely is. And uh, we encourage you to continue to follow him for any uh, additional news as well as Young Motors, Young's Motorsports uh, coming up here as well. For the 2020 season. All right. Now, moving on to the point standings here for the truck series. 
Uh, Brett Moffitt still holds that lead. Uh, he is uh, above the cutoff line. He has a 20-point uh, lead over Stuart Friesen in second place. Uh, Austin Hill is behind Stuart uh, by 10 points in third place, and Matt Crafton by 11 points in fourth place. Right now, the, the drivers that are below the cutoff line include Tyler Ankrum and Ross Chastain. Ross just had uh, a horrible race at uh, end of the race, really, at Talladega. Uh, that kind of put him in that position. So uh, it's going to be an exciting race to watch at Martinsville to see if uh, Ross Chastain or Tyler Ingram can put themselves on the top side of that list. But, of course, uh, if they move up, two others are going to have to move down, and, and that's going to be a tough tough thing to accomplish. It is, but we know that the, the team, uh, Ross Chastain and that, and that team are capable of it. Uh, coming out and winning at any point. We've seen them in a, in a deficit like this before. Um, so they certainly have that capability, and they're getting that interesting question. If they go in, who goes out? <laughs> <laughs> and and we've seen it in this series. Uh, nobody expected uh, Johnny Sauter or Grant Infinger to be out at this point. Uh, and just some a series of unfortunate events uh, took place, taking them out of uh, the running here early in the playoffs. So uh, you never know what can happen, especially at a short track like Martinsville. And uh, I'm sure this is going to be an exciting race to watch uh, this coming uh, weekend. And, again, they are racing uh, at Martinsville. <clears throat> Let me uh, pull up the schedule here real quick uh, and see if I can give you the times for this. Um, they're going to be racing at Martinsville Speedway this weekend at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, that race will be on Fox Sports 1, as are all of the Truck Series races uh, for this season. So uh, definitely one to make sure. Uh, if you're not going to be able to watch it, then make sure that you get out there and uh, uh, you know put on the DVR or get out there to Martinsville race. Speedway and uh, be in the in the uh, seats watching this one because it's going to be it's going to be one for the books I think. And that's one again a couple of years ago there with the uh, my my family and I got to go to you're you're right uh, the Truck Series and the Cup Series together for a weekend package deal uh, you can't ask for much more than that especially again with this Truck Series battle the way it is. I think you're going to see an awesome short track race there at the paper clip as these guys battle it out, knowing it's one of the two last chances here to advance into that championship four. Exactly. These guys have Martinsville and ISM Raceway uh, to determine their final four. And uh, you you got to know that Ross Chastain and uh, Tyler Ankrum are going to be doing everything they possibly can to make things happen for themselves. But so are those top four guys. Uh, you know, the other four guys that are up there now, Brett Moffitt's had a phenomenal season, uh, as has, uh, uh, you know, Stuart Friesen. I think this has been one of his best seasons uh, ever uh, in the truck series. And then you've also got uh, uh, Matt Crafton and Austin Hill. What a season Austin Hill has had uh, with two wins this year. Actually, three wins. Well, and I think, 
I think from the beginning of the year, that's kind of kind of been a storyline there in and of itself. Brett Moffitt winning last year's championship, moving on to uh, another team. And Austin Hill, I know there was a lot of talk about that, of whether or not he should have been the driver to step into that championship ride. And not only did he come out and win Daytona, which, again, we know is a wild card, so everybody kind of said, yeah, it's a, it's a wild card race. He's not going to mount to anything. Look at where he's at, like you mentioned. Three race wins on the year, sitting third in points. Right now, obviously a part of that discussion for championship four contention. Yes, it really has been, I think, a great year for all of these guys. Matt Crafton, the veteran uh, part of this group, uh, he's a champion himself. I think he was the first driver to win back-to-back championships, and uh, he'll be in that 88 truck uh, doing everything he can uh, to to shake things up as well. So uh, I think this is going to be exciting. Uh, And you can't count out the fact that you could have drivers that are below this cutoff line that could go out there and win this weekend as well. I, I think that that certainly is possible when you think about drivers like uh, Grant Infinger and Johnny Sauter, Ben Rhodes, Sheldon Creed. All of those guys are going to be uh, trying to get their best finishes this year uh, to set up their 2020 season. We don't see it a whole lot, um, but we have seen it in the Xfinity Series twice now. A.J. Allmendinger, obviously a road course racer, uh, winning at the Roval in this past weekend, Brandon Jones winning at Kansas. So uh, it certainly can happen. There are so many talented drivers that are still itching for that first win of, the, of their career, of their of the year, their possible next year ride from next year on the line. Um, so, yeah, you're going to see some big intensity out of all of these drivers. And I don't think the surprises are over. We've seen a lot of surprises, I think, throughout this playoffs, and I think we're going to see more surprises as these playoffs continue, including perhaps here in the in the uh, Gantner Outdoor Truck Series uh, that we'll be racing this weekend at Martinsville Speedway. Um, so uh, anything else that you think we should uh, make sure we mention here before we move on? Well, t- talk about the other one there uh, outside the points. Uh, Tyler Ankrum, again, wasn't uh, able to run the entire season based on age. He got the waiver when he picked up his win. I think a lot of us, I'm one of them that did, had him to, as one to be eliminated in the first round. It didn't happen. Uh, he is still a couple points behind, but not out of it by any means. So uh, he's having a great season. And, and you mentioned Matt Crafting, uh, a two-time champion, back-to-back champion at that. Uh, I feel like he may be carrying the entire Thor Sport Motorsports on his shoulders, uh, what redemption it would be for them to get the championship being that they had two of their drivers eliminated based off of something that wasn't of their doing with an engine problem um, that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So I think he's kind of racing with it with that entire organization on his back um, to get some redemption. Yeah, I think you're right. He's the, he's the only Ford right now that's in the uh, uh, playoffs. And so not just the Thor Sport banner, but the Ford banner as well. And when you talk about how tight it is, uh, between a lot of these drivers, uh, Austin Hill uh, is that uh, I, I already mentioned that he, uh, Matt Crafton is just 11 points behind uh, Austin Hill, but Tyler Ankrum is one point behind Matt Crafton on the outside looking in, and Ross Chastain is just one point behind Tyler Ankrum. So between fourth place and sixth place, we're talking about two points. 
So that's going to be a tight battle between those three drivers. And I think much like what we saw in the Xfinity Series this last weekend, we're going to see that, I think, in this truck series at Martinsville this weekend. Well, and a huge thing that goes along with a huge thing that goes along with that that they have talked about, I think has been extremely highlighted this year in the playoffs is those stage points, stage racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw we saw that made up in the cup race. Of It wasn't about winning the race. Obviously, you want to, and that guarantees you. But those stage points, and that can set up, you know, uh, down the road, uh, a huge difference, as you said, one point, one point. That's one position on the track. If you get an extra 10 points for where nine, 10 points in the stage, you're, you're talking about building that gap up, not just gaining that one spot. That's right. And and we saw drivers do that this weekend, uh, especially in the Cup Series race. And we'll talk about that more when we get to the Cup Series here and our review of uh, Kansas Speedway. But, yeah, those stage points are huge. Uh, and I'm just going to bring up one example. Joey Logano, a few weeks ago, he was uh, several laps down because his axle broke before the race even began. And uh, a lot of people were criticizing him for racing hard. Well, look at how important each and every point he gained by being on the track and racing as hard as he did. Uh, those points made a huge difference for him this weekend. You know, and uh, that might come up again later in Hot Topics, but you look on it back on it now, he was in that bubble of it. At some points he was out or within a couple of points of going out. And, yeah, he made up a couple of points by doing what he did in that race. So you can't blame him. I know a lot of people didn't like it, the fact that he was several laps down or, what did you say, 25 laps down. But you also don't know then what positions he gained in those one or two points. That's the difference between moving mm-hmm. on and, and not being able to run for the championship. So that's what they're there for. That's right. That's right. And and not only did he make up, uh, he he gained some stage points throughout that race as well, uh, that made the difference for him, uh, and and between him and Keselowski, because it really was between those two drivers which one was not going to make it, and uh, Brad Keselowski. Uh, unfortunately didn't make it. I know a huge disappointment, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but uh, getting back here to the truck series, uh, right now the uh, person with uh, the most stage points, playoff standing points, is Brett Moffitt. He has 34. Uh, That's more than double of the second-place driver, who is actually Ross Chastain with 16 I'm sorry, actually it's Austin Hill with 17 uh, stage points. Then you've got uh, Ross Chastain with 16 and Stuart Friesen with 15. Uh, Matt Crafton has the 11. The driver who has the fewest stage points, and this could end up hurting him in the end, is Tyler Ankrum. He only has the five stage points. So um, he's going to have to do everything he can to get some points. Uh, Some of those stage points during the race at Martinsville and uh, see if he can't gain on that uh, because, that, again, that could be the difference. When you're talking about one-point difference between being in and being out, those stage points could make a huge impact on how these drivers land when Martinsville is done. And, and the two you highlighted there that I think you're going to see, uh, Ross Chastain, obviously, he goes out there uh, full throttle at all times. He's not there to make friends. 
Uh, we've seen him uh, own that in the past, and he hasn't changed. Uh, whether he's running for a championship or just running one-off races for other teams in other series. So um, he's one I think you're going to see capitalize on that the most. But that Tyler Ankrum team, I think that's something they got to look at as far as a team strategy of that could be that difference maker. Again, if they don't necessarily able to win the race, build up those points in that stage so even a 10th place finish kind of equals them out and they don't lose any ground either. Yeah, they, you definitely have to be smart going into these playoffs because, um, you know, we've seen it happen, too, where a playoff contender gets frustrated with uh, a driver who's not in the playoff and uh, uh, focusing their energies on that versus what they need to do to move themselves up in the point standings uh, to be able to stay in uh, the playoffs for the next round. So uh, they've got to be smart about it. But they, at the same time, they've got to be aggressive. And uh, there's a fine edge there between uh, where that being on the edge of going a little bit too far to being just right to, to move your team forward. And uh, it's not an easy edge to find. And I'll tell you what, I watched Ross Chastain race this weekend. The way I would describe Ross Chastain is that guy is always driving on the edge. And every once in a while, he slips just a little bit over. But, man, he pulls it together. Uh, but he is always driving on the edge. And he usually keeps it on the inside of that edge. Uh, but uh, Ross Chastain is out there to win. Well, and like I said, I mean, he's owned that. And he said, you're right, that happens occasionally. But more often than not, it pays off. And that's what got him to the position he's in being able to run for this truck series championship coming in, what I think he came in eight or nine races short. That's what got him into the truck series uh, playoffs. That style has obviously earned him a ride with college racing for next year to run full time in the Xfinity series with uh, teammate, Justin Haley. So uh, I don't see him changing by any means. And I think it could end up paying off for him as he might make it into the championship four. All right. Coming up next is our, uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series uh, review, and uh, we'll be talking about a first-time winner in this case. Uh, The race winner at uh, Kansas Speedway for the 19th Annual Kansas Lottery 300 is Brandon Jones, age 22, in the number 19 for Joe Gibbs Racing. His crew chief this weekend, Jeff Meandering. Now, uh, it was his first victory in 134 Xfinity Series races, his first victory in 14th top 10 finish this season, and his first victory in second top 10 finish in four races that he's taken part in at Kansas Speedway. Tyler Reddick finished second, posting his third top 10 finish in three races at Kansas Speedway, and it is his 25th top 10 finish this season. Chase Briscoe finished third. He posted his first top ten finish in two races at Kansas Speedway and was the highest finishing rookie of this race. Uh, A lot of really uh, big action at Kansas Speedway this weekend, rounding out the top five, uh, the number one car of Michael Annette and uh, Justin Algauer finishing out in fifth. Uh, The next five are Jeremy Clements, Justin Haley, then you've got John Hunter Nemechek, Ryan Sieg, and Ross Chastain uh, running out the top ten. 
and you talked about it, the shuffling up it has done for these uh, Xfinity Series playoffs. Obviously, the top three, the big three, as they've been known throughout the year, falling back on the points that they have built up through the year and earned. Um, but that four spot is wide open, I believe. I'm looking for the points. It is a two-point difference, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let's see here. Should be Justin Algar at 30.59. Chase, Chase Briscoe at 30.57. And then you got Michael Annette, who's only another 10 points back, and Noah Gregston now at 15 points back. Yes, that was, uh, in fact, the first race. <clears throat> uh, yeah, that was the first race of their uh, round of eight drivers uh, here in the uh, – uh, Xfinity Series, so uh, since a non-playoff contender won that race, uh, nobody has locked themselves into the Final Four yet with a victory, so that's going to be a factor in this next race. Their next race uh, is November 2nd at Texas Motor Speedway, and then Saturday, November 9th at ISM Raceway, Uh, and that is the race that will eliminate four more drivers uh, leaving just the final four that will move on to Homestead, Miami. So those points are really big. Do you want to go over the rest of the points there, Jay? All right. Uh, well, I've hit on pretty much all of them here, but Christopher Bell is your leader at 3106. Levin back is Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick at minus 12. Again, talked about those as the big three. Um, not to say anything can't happen in the final two races, but the next points gap or the next gap back Justin Algar is 47 points behind the uh, leader, so 35 behind third place Tyler Reddick. That's quite a gap, although we saw a gap almost that big disappear in the Cup Series. So again, it can be done. Um, then we got Chase Briscoe mentioned and uh, Michael Annette and Noah Gregston. The final one there in a little bit of a hole, almost maybe in a must-win situation already, had a rough weekend there at Kansas, was Austin Sindrick. And I think that might be a little bit of a rookie experience, first time in the, in the, the yeah. pressure of the championship. Maybe got a little too aggressive, overdrove. Um, I know some of, the, some of the situations weren't necessarily of his doing, but I don't think he helped it any after. Right. And, and, again, keeping your focus on the right things. Uh, and you're right. It's, this is his first uh, uh, full-time season in the uh, Xfinity Series. And uh, I think this was a big learning curve for Austin Sendrick this weekend. And hopefully, you know, he'll recover from that because he's had a great season. Uh, again, playoff points are such a big deal here in the Xfinity Series. Uh, Christopher Bell has the most. He has 62 playoff points with seven victories. Cole Custer also has seven victories uh, with 50 playoff points. Then Tyler Reddick with his five victories, 44 playoff points. And then next in line for playoff points is actually Austin Sindrick. Uh, he has 17 playoff points uh, to the good. So that can help him uh, if he can have a good race at um, – at uh, Texas Motor Speedway and, again, at ISM Raceway. So we'll have to see what happens. He's good on, on those tracks, so, again, we'll see what happens. Uh, Justin Algauer, uh is next in line. He has the 14 playoff points, uh, no victories, 
uh, along with uh, Noah Gregson in seventh. Uh, Chase Briscoe, what a great race he had this past weekend. I thought he was going to win it uh, to be the first driver uh, to make it into the championship four, uh, but it just wasn't meant to be. He's got 13 playoff points. Michael Annette with nine, Noah Gregson with five. Um, so those playoff points are going to be big in these next two races, Jay. <clears throat> they are. And, again, and we saw this in the Xfinity Series race. Uh, of the different strategies that teams took in order to capitalize on getting those stage points for each race. Um, again, you know, not knowing for sure if they had a shot at winning the race, but if they can build up those stage points, being in the right position to be one that advances on points. Uh, in this case, again, with those top three sitting the way they are, I think you pretty much everybody's looking at, except for one, because right now there really is only one open spot uh, like I said, it'd be really tough to see that 30-point uh, wiped out, especially by some of these top drivers. But it, we saw it happen, so you can't bank on it either. Exactly right. Uh, that's why these next two races are so important. Okay, now I do have some post-race audio here. Uh, I don't want to take away from Brandon Jones' victory because this was his first victory in the Xfinity Series. Uh, and we're going to hear from Brandon uh, the segment I'm going to play is about five and a half minutes long. Uh, so just to hear some of his thoughts after winning his first uh, victory at uh, Kansas Speedway this weekend. If I can have your attention here in the media center, we are joined by a first-time winner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Brandon Jones driver of the number 19 Flow Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. We have Steve D'Souza, Executive Vice President of Joe Gibbs Racing, and Crew Chief Jeff Mendering. Let's go ahead and open the floor up for questions. If you have a question, please raise your hand. We'll get a wireless microphone to you. Go to Trevor and go to Briar. Brandon, uh, first crew win. I'm sure you've been waiting a long time for that. Uh, just kind of what's going through your mind right now. Yeah, man, We've uh, I've been a winner in a lot of different series um, even outside of NASCAR, through NASCAR, um, this is this is the biggest one I've ever had, man. This is uh, this is huge, um, and I think it even makes it better that um, we've struggled so much to get to this point. Uh, we've had a lot of just junk luck, really, that's uh, put us out of a lot of these races. Um, but I believe in this team um, since the start of this. Um, I always do, and uh, it paid off today. So uh, this is this is big. We're going to enjoy this for a long time. And uh, I know the first one's the toughest, so hopefully that's a good sign and there's going to be more to come. Right. <laughs> we'll go next to Dominic. Dominic Cotter with the Racing Experts and ESPN Radio Albuquerque. For Brandon, when you look back on this race, let's say 50, 60 years from now, the rocking chair, what are you going to remember most about it? Uh, well, the, only, the thing that was going through my mind today um, – I think it was last year, uh, the same thing kind of happened. You know, you had a bunch of good cars at the start of the race get taken out, um, and that right there went through my head. I'm like, man, all the good cars are gone. We're going to win the race. Going down the back stretch, you try to side draft, you get loose, and then we destroy our car too. So um, I knew that was uh, knew that was lingering in the back of my head, and I'm like, I, I just have to finish this thing out today. Um, and really, the, the, the pit crew did an amazing job today. 
crew chief did an amazing job, and everything just kept lining up. Um, I know when we kind of got that penalty there on pit road, um, we were a little bit worried, but um, drove back through the field pretty pretty good. Had those couple cautions, had a set of tires land, so um, it just all fell fell into play pretty well there for us. Go next to Todd, and then to Chris. Todd Engel with the KC Star. Uh, a lot of chaos here in the last 20 laps. Can you just walk us through that final restart, kind of what you saw uh, from that point to the end? Yeah, I um, I was I was watching Bell the most um, before you know a lot of stuff happened to them. Um, just about every restart, you know, he would run that bottom for five or so laps, and then you could really tell that it was going away, and uh, guys were having to start to move up. So um, having the little laps that we did there at the end, um, I think Chris Lambert, our spotter, spots for Hamlin on uh, Sundays. Um, did an amazing job, kind of helping me there, stay calm, uh, make sure I just run the bottom line and uh, not not get too crazy on the top and knock the wall down like some guys did today too. So um, I think that was the key to uh, today. Um, the last corner, I, I kind of looked up in the mirror and saw the lead we had, um, and so I, I didn't push the car or anything there. But um, it, 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 like I said, it, it cleaned up at the M4, so it all came into play, and that's what you got to do at one of these. Go to Chris, then the Sterling, and then again. ChrisMikeHedgeFence.com. Brandon, uh, you had a lot of confidence before the race and even joked about that. If you won this race, you would wear that uniform the rest of the year. So now that you've won the race, uh, did you lose any confidence at any point of the race when you got shuffled back? And are you going to keep wearing the suit moving forward? <laughs> if they keep sponsoring, I'll keep wearing it. Um, but um, I, I was. I, I wasn't sure that we were a race-winning car kind of early on the race. Um, we didn't really have tons of takeoff speed. Um, at the start of the race, kind of fell back to eighth or so and, and was able to get back up to sixth. And um, a couple times I was able to run top three lap times um, throughout that event. So I knew we were pretty decent once we got going. Um, and I, but I think as we continue to get cautions, our tires continue to get better with cycles on them. Um, and I think that's probably what paid off the best um, and it kind of helped our balance go the right way at the end. Sterling, Gavin, and Trevor. Uh, Sterling Siemens with KCOU. Brandon, this is your fourth full-time season in Xfinity competition and your first career win. How does it feel to finally break through after uh, many starts, and what is, will this do for the rest of the season going into next year? Uh, well, if we, if we didn't have any confidence now, I think that um, I think that it's up, up right now pretty high. So, um, the, I don't know, man. The, the biggest thing is, is uh, you know, it's it's been such a long, hard-fought battle to get to this point. Um, we've got a, we've got a few polls, um, so that's checked off my list. Now we've got to win. I can check that off. Um, championships next to check off at some point in my life. So um, this is this is big. Um, like I mentioned before, the uh, the lows are, are tough in this sport, and uh, it's really easy to get yourself down whenever things are not going your way. But um, this is what makes you bring back up and makes you keep fighting to uh, to do this. Gavin Doe from the NASCAR College Media Program. Um, did you ever have those, like, signs of doubt, you know, because it took you this long until you finally got that W at the end? Uh, there's been a lot of disappointment, but I don't think we've ever quit. I've never quit uh, whenever, I, whenever I sit in the car. Um, every single week we come here to do what we did today, and it's win the race. And so when we don't win the race, we come home pretty upset about it, and we got to figure out why we didn't win. So um, given it all we have every single week, so is Jeff Mendering, so is Steve D'Souza at the shop. Um, so is, you know, the pit crew, whenever they come to the track, we're all set on kill. Um, and I feel like this is a, a tier one team here and, and uh, really proud to be able to run with, with Joe Gibbs. Okay. I thought that was a really good interview from uh, first-time winner Brandon Jones with Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, some really, really good thoughts there from him. Certainly was. Uh, I had a couple of uh, huge takeaways. One, even before he got asked specifically about confidence, 
when he first started. I mean, he said that confidence was there. Uh, again, maybe not having the, having the winning car, but knowing they had a top car and, and making it better. Um, so, and we already know he signed for next year already with that Joe Gibbs Racing team. So that has to put a lot of confidence uh, behind him as well. The the thing I took there, and I know he's not a Cup driver yet. He's signed for next year, but he said he was watching Christopher Bell in the in the laps and on restarts and his spotter and that and digesting of he knew what his tires were going through as far as heat cycles and how that helped his car. Uh, let me tell you, that's something that a driver like that, that it has all that information is just going to race that much better. And I know they said that this was what his fourth full-time year, but still that experience um, in being able to do that and, and translate it and then share it with the crew, that obviously helps the crew to make better decisions. So I think that's a great sign from a, from a driver. Yeah, that's what's kind of stood out to me as well, Jay, is the, is the fact that, uh, yes, it's been four years since for him to get that victory, but that experience is what paid off. He talked about, you know, what happened last year during this race. He had that fresh in his mind of what happened last year, and and, you know, the same thing was happening this year, but that experience kind of put him in the right place at the right time, I think, to go after that victory when, when the opportunity arose. And uh, I think that was that was huge for Brandon Jones uh, to pick up that victory. Uh, some unfortunate situations for some of the points leaders and those that are running uh, during this round uh, to move on to the next round. But uh, uh, Brandon Jones and his team did a really good job of putting him in the right place at the right time. Most certainly. And, again, that – you know, not not being one of the top three, if you will, as that's kind of who was battling at that time, but being right there in position and running with them. Um, as he mentioned, he had top three uh, fastest speeds throughout certain stretches of the race. So being in that position when it happens, uh, that's part of a championship drive as well. Again, if you don't have the winning car, yes. put yourself in the best position. And when something like that happens, there you go. <laughs> exactly right. Excuse me. Okay, now. Stage one was run by Christopher Bell. Stage two was run by Cole Custer. Uh, there were eight caution flags for 41 laps. There were 12 lead changes among five drivers. Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, uh, let's see here, <laughs> Chase Briscoe, Michael Lynette, uh, and Brandon Jones, the race winner. So <clears throat> this was a race that was pretty up and down throughout the entire race. Uh, you had the, the situation with uh, uh, Christopher Bell and uh, what happened with him, and then you had the situation with Tyler Reddick and uh, uh, Cole Custer. Uh, and I'm sure we've got a hot topic around that coming up during our 10 o'clock half hour as well. The one, the one thing there, as you as you read through those stats, it's been that way all year, and that's why they've been known as the, the big three, your stage winners, Christopher Bell, Cole Custer. I mean, that's why these guys have built that points position where they're at and why they're winning six and seven races amongst two or three of them. Uh, that's how they run the entire season and put themselves in that position. And obviously you can't discount anybody yet at this point, but I see the championship four coming down to those three. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely those three. 
but I, I really was impressed with Chase Briscoe this weekend as well. Uh, Chase Briscoe uh, really had a strong car, I think, at Kansas Speedway. I think he felt good about that car going into Kansas Speedway, and I think he saw this as an opportunity for his team uh, at Kansas Speedway to get that victory and earn their way into uh, the final four. Now, Texas is their next race. That also is a 1.5-mile track. I've got to think that Brandon or Brisco, Chase Briscoe is going to be uh, – looking for some redemption at Texas Motor Speedway. And that was a situation that was no fault of his own. Him and him and uh, uh, Christopher Bell running for the lead, and Garrett Smithley, you know, took the ownership of it. Uh, but today uh, NASCAR came out and said it was pretty much a spotter error. So <clears throat> no fault of their own, and we see two of the top drivers taken out. Uh, so it just goes to show anything can happen, and that's why they run these races. Anything can happen, and these guys have to be on their toes at all times. Well, and I, I know Andy said it uh, during his uh, some of his uh, messenger stuff there, but uh, in the group messenger, um, Chase rebounding. Again, gathering himself back up and coming back to get a decent yeah. finish afterwards. Uh, that, again, we've talked about that. How you handle that adversity? Uh, yeah, he still expressed his frustration uh, during that stretch and after the race. Um, but when it came time to to do it, he still put his nose to the grind and, and got the best of what he could out of that car as he could in the final laps. He certainly did, and I I really was impressed with that because uh, he's a rookie this season in the Xfinity series and and he went after that with a veteran mentality and I think that's going to serve him really well in the future. Uh, again, really impressed, uh, very impressed with uh, Chase Briscoe and his run. Um, I'm hoping to get him on the show here uh, in an un- upcoming episode uh, so that we can kind of chat with him uh, a little bit about uh, his efforts this season. But uh, I think his run at Kansas is nothing to hang his head about. He had a fantastic run going. I'm sure he's disappointed uh, with what happened, but uh, at the same time, I don't see him. Uh, I see him going to Texas and trying to do everything he can to make it happen there. Well, and, and the final point there, it's what he did in the part in the first two stages, not necessarily winning them, but getting those stage points. Having that yeah. happen and not coming back for the best finish allowed him to maintain where he was at. So that again, those stage po- uh, points each stage, so so important. Yes, uh, with the competition that they have and how tight that competition is, those stage points are like gold, <laughs> uh, and they'll have to go after it. Now we we do need to move on to the uh, NASCAR Cup Series here. Uh, they also raced at Kansas Speedway. Uh, this weekend, and this was, uh, let's see, this I don't think, this was uh, an elimination race, that's right, this was their elimination race this weekend, and uh, another one of those races where you're kind of on the edge of your seat, Uh, and although we were looking at who was winning the race, uh, I think the real competition for this race was uh, at the the, uh, cutoff line, uh, and watching that change throughout the race all the way up to the end of the race, 
uh, it was uh, Joey Logano who prevailed and uh, ended up on the top side of that line. Yeah, uh, again, congratulations to Denny Hamlin. Obviously, that's a story in and of itself, but you're right. This being that elimination race and the way it happened, uh, I can't think of any fan that was watching and not intrigued by that, whether you're a fan of the drivers that were involved or not. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, Now, Denny Hamlin, as you mentioned, and a big congratulations to him. He was the winner at age 38, driving the number 11 for Joe Gibbs Racing with his crew chief, Christopher Gabehart. He won the 19th Annual Hollywood Casino 400. It was his 36th victory in 502 Cup Series races, his fifth victory and 21st top 10 finish this year. Uh, It was also his second victory and eighth top 10 finish in 23 races at Kansas Speedway. Chase Elliott finished second, which was uh, another storyline here. He posted his fifth top 10 finish in eight races at Kansas Speedway. It was his 15th top 10 finish this season. Uh, Chase Elliott, with that second place finish all the way up to the end of the race, he thought he had to win in order to get in. Uh, not realizing what was happening with uh, Brad Keselowski, who got caught up in an incident uh, when Bubba Wallace took a spin, and uh, Brad Keselowski ended up losing about six positions, uh, which opened the door for Chase Elliott to then get into uh, the playoffs. Um, Kyle Busch is third. He posted his 11th top 10 finish in 24 races at Kansas Speedway. And Ryan Priest in 12th place was the highest finishing rookie. To kind of finish this out, it was uh, Kurt Busch who uh, came home in 4th place. And William Byron, another driver who did everything he could. Uh, He was in the bottom uh, hoping to race his way into the playoffs. Uh, he came home with a top five finish. Now, the next five drivers are Martin Truex Jr., Eric Jones, Clint Boyer, Kevin Harvick, and Jimmy Johnson rounds out the top ten here. So many different things you can talk about there within that. Um, obviously, again, Denny Hamlin winning the race, Chase Elliott doing everything he can And let me tell you, they put high emphasis on, as they needed to, not only winning the race, but earning stage points in stage one and two. I know it's going to sound like I'm just repeating myself, but for Chase Elliott, that was huge, as well as Joey Logano, because Joey Logano could have also been the one on the outside of him instead of Brad Keselowski. Um, And he actually won one of the stages. So uh, very, very huge moves by those two teams um, in what they had to do, and Chase was still going after that win because he really thought that was his only way. Um, and, again, truthfully, I'm one that really thought it was. I didn't see somebody pointing their way in without a catastrophic failure. Uh, Brad did have a rough race, but it wasn't a complete out-of-the-race type deal. Those stage points came into play. So uh, that's one huge thing. And you can't ask for anything more out of an elimination race than that. I, again, with yeah. the points the way it was going in, I think everybody kind of thought it, the only way it happens, one of those drivers win, which we thought was possible, but it turned out not to be that way. And that's why you watch each and, each and every individual race as it happens and all the storylines yeah. throughout the race. Like you said, not just who's out front winning. I mean, and Denny Hamlin, that's got to 
I know we'll kind of get into that. I got it as a hot topic anyway of what that means for him and that team and where they're at. Um, so it's certainly nothing to take away from him and that team either. No, it's not. Denny Hamlin has been very strong in the playoffs and continues to be strong in the playoffs. Uh, so uh, I, I, I really look for him uh, to continue his run. Uh, and I do think there's a chance that he is in championship form this season. Uh, and I've got my fingers crossed for him. But, uh, you know, there's so many other drivers that are going after that championship. That competition is going to be probably some of the tightest competition we've ever seen. Now, um, stage one was won by Joey Logano, as you mentioned. Uh, Denny Hamlin won stage two. Uh, of course, he won the last stage as well. There were seven caution flags for 32 laps, 15 lead changes among 12 drivers, including Daniel Hemrick, the pole sitter, Kyle Larson, Brad Keselowski, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Daniel Suarez, Martin Truex Jr., uh, Alex Bowman, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., uh, and and uh, just it was an exciting race to watch. It couldn't have got been any better of a race than what it was. And we talk about these teams uh, overcoming adversity. Alex Bowman got put in a position in behind early. They made a strategy call. They were leading the race at one point. If caution had come out, we could be talking about a whole different set of Mm storylines. But I believe at that point, at one point, Kevin Harvick was one that was below the points then, um, if Bowman were to have won as he was leading at that point. Kyle Busch was within, I believe, 13 points at one point, and he was possibly having a problem. He came back to finish uh, third, I believe. Yeah, third. Um, He was within range of falling into that gap. Um, So, again, how that shifted throughout the race, it just added so much to that race. It it really did, and I think the intensity is only going to ramp up uh, as we move on. Now, do you want to go ahead and go over the points report, uh, Jay? All right, uh, let's see that one. All right, Kyle Busch is still your leader here. Um, now resetting um, for these final three races, which will be Martinsville, Texas, and ISM Raceway. Kyle Busch, your points leader at 40-46. Martin Truex, 40-42. Uh, Denny Hamlin at 40-37, so he's only nine points behind that. Joey Logano at 40-30, Kevin Harvick at 40-28, Chase Elliott at 40-24, Kyle Larson at 4,011, and Ryan Blaney at 4,009. So your cutoff line at this point is Joey Logano, and that puts Kevin Harvick two behind, uh, Chase Elliott six back, Kyle Larson, and I'm not doing math real well in my head here, 19 points back, and then Ryan Blaney. And Ryan Blaney, again, having picked up that one win, only has the nine playoff points to carry in. He has made it to this round. However, he's at a disadvantage having to start that far back as far as the playoff points reset. Right. Uh, Again, this was an elimination race. So now they have uh, Martinsville, Texas, and ISM Raceway uh, to figure out who's going to be those top four going into Homestead, Miami, to compete for the title. So uh, this is going to be big. I do have uh, some post-race audio here. Uh, I had planned to play about uh, 7 minutes 50 seconds here 
Uh, I think I can still do that, and we'll have just a couple minutes then uh, before we go into our Hot Topic Sound Off. But what, who we're going to hear from is actually team owner Joe Gibbs and the crew chief, uh, Chris Gabehart, in this segment. But uh, I think they give some really good info here. So let's go ahead and listen to this post-race audio. Okay, everybody, we are going to go ahead and start our post-race press conference today for the Hollywood Casino 400 in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. And we are joined by the winning crew chief and the winning owner of the number 11 FedEx Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. We have crew chief Chris Capehart and team owner Joe Gibbs. We'll open the floor up for questions. If you have a question, we'll start here and go around. Chirp Mater NASCAR College Media Program. Joe, that final restart, you had all four of your cars up there kind of vying for the win. Uh, one, how nervous were you, and was there any message to any of the teams in that final restart? No, there was uh, no message, but I was nervous for sure. Uh, there, there's so much at stake, you know, at the end of a race like that. For each one of our teams, they got their sponsors, they got their career, their drivers do, crew chiefs. And there's so much at stake. I get the most nervous when we have two of our cars up there, or three of our cars up there. Big day for us. Really appreciate everything. Uh, Kyle fought back from some stuff. Eric was really good all day. Thought we had a chance maybe with him. And then Martin was up there for a while. Denny was real strong all day. And uh, Chris has done a great job with Denny. They've really paired up. And you can tell they have a lot of confidence. Denny on those restarts and everything uh, tonight, he was on two tires. Some of the guys were on four. Big deal. And I think right now he's got a lot of confidence. And one other thing, I get emotional when I see the car because it has J.D.'s name, you know, over the door with uh, Denny. That means so much to us and my family. I called everybody. I called Melissa, J.D.'s wife, the boys. And uh, it's a big deal for us emotionally. And so I just thank the Lord for a great day for us. Uh, Sterling Siemens with KCOU. Uh, Joe, your team has been really dominant this season, up there with the likes of Hendrick Motorsports back in 2007. How do you explain the dominance and the strength that your team has displayed throughout all four full-time cars? Yeah, it's... It is so hard in pro sports to stay up and, and keep performing because it's just uh, this is the best people in the world, the best teams, drivers in the world that race NASCAR. This is it. And so it's hard to stay up there. And the only thing I would say there, it's, it's about the people. We have great people back at the race shop preparing everything. Uh, and I just wish a lot of them could be here. Um, and then our our drivers, our crew chiefs, and their teams. I, I just think it's kind of, for us, it's about people. I think we got great people right now. We have very, very good chemistry. And it's not going to buy us anything next week. The problem is, I, I get so nervous. I, I was all excited about today, and then somebody mentioned next week, and I almost threw up. So <laughs> I, I said, you mean this didn't get us to Homestead? <laughs> But it was certainly a great day. And I always say for our sponsor, I had a chance to call Fred Smith and Roz and everybody there at FedEx. Uh, you know, it means so much to our sponsors. They, they it's, This is different than other sports. 
they're actually in the game with us. They're on the car. They're a part of it. Three and a half hours, they're with us. And so it's great, so great when you can call them afterwards and say thanks. Scott Stiles, Fox Sports Radio. Chris, during the day, long green flag runs and not many ch opportunities to make changes on your car, but knowing going in possibly there's going to be some, you know, short-term runs at the end. Your thoughts going in today? Well, I, we had a really good practice, honestly. We were, we were really good uh, Friday during practice and race trim, and this was a tough track for us. We didn't run very well here the first time, and uh, I'm just so proud of, of my race team, myself, the engineers, and, and everybody to come to these tracks for a second time and make the improvements that we've made to, to be as good as we were. But clearly once the race got going and it got strung out, um, we, it was evident we had a really good car and we were going to have a shot to win. And we got a few key adjustments into the car there that, that I think between those and once we got out front just kind of turned it into a dominant car and we were able to control the rest of the day there and, until that last caution and then, then it's uh, then it's just scrambling, you know, and it's a matter of figuring out how to make a pick call and 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 hope it's the right one, and then and then Denny executing, and then he did a great job. Go to Nick, then to Randy, then to Jeff. Nick Bromberg, Yahoo Sports. Joe, do you allow yourself to think about that modern day Hendrick Mark that you guys are now two races away from tying their 18 wins and, and 36, and is that even a little bit more pressure getting all three cars I, to the finals? I, I, th I think I think more about the championship, you know, and. I'm more focused on that, but certainly we love the wins. I think for all of our cars, I mentioned each one of those sponsors, it's a huge deal for us, and obviously to get three of them into the next round is a big deal. Uh, this format for playoffs, you know, Kyle won the regular season, which was a huge deal for us, but when you get in these three-round playoffs, I mean, anything can happen. We know that. And so that makes you so nervous. And I think what you're doing is you're I'm constantly thinking about Homestead. How do we get to Homestead? That's what I think about the most. Good Randy, then the Jeff, then the Briar, then the Trevor. I'm Randy Cove with the Kansas City Star. For each of you, I guess Denny is maybe considered the best active driver not to have won a championship. And based on what you've seen this year, starting with the Daytona 500 to five wins this year, is this his best chance to win it, and what makes it? Well, I think, I think uh, pairing him with Chris, Chris has meant a lot to Denny, and I think it did start off at Daytona 500. That whole 500, everything that it meant, everything about J.D., everything about the 11 number and everything was just a huge deal. I, I don't think that was something that just happened. You know, I think God really – was was a part of that weekend, and so we started there. But I think I think Chris and Denny really developed a relationship where they fight on every single lap. And I think tonight was a good example because Denny he had those restarts, and there were people all over him. Some having to win, some having four tires, and somehow he got it done. So. I think Chris deserves a lot of credit, but I think Denny's on it right now. Yeah, I would echo that. I, I just think, you know, clearly he's shown the ability throughout his career to, to elevate. And I think that's the difference between a good driver and a great driver, just like any athlete, is the ability to elevate when the pressure's on. And, and clearly he's shown the ability throughout his career, but now he has the experience of the of the good days and the bad days and the good years and the bad years. And 
and he's just he's just on it right now. I mean, this this race team shows up to win every week, and and we're disappointed if we don't. Quite frankly, and um, I think that's the key. I, I don't I don't think it's about Homestead for us. It's about getting us to Homestead, and and then at that point, the mentality will will carry us through the race, or it won't. But it's the same mentality we go to the racetrack with every week. Okay, I thought uh, there were some pretty great uh, comments there from Coach Gibbs and from Chris Gray, Gabe Hart. Uh, your thoughts, Jay? Uh, I, I just love listening to Joe Gibbs talk. Uh, you know, he is such <laughs> – I, I don't even know how to put it into words. Um, there, there's a reason he's a championship winner at, at the football level as well as a, a top-notch NASCAR team owner. Um, with what he started, and, and I know he said it there, it's about the people. And he has done a phenomenal job with that as far as putting the right people and working with people that other people said weren't the right people. So uh, that ability in and of itself. And then he talked about it of uh, this year for Denny Hamlin um, with the J.D. JD Gibbs being part of that number 11. Um, it's starting at yeah. Daytona. And I know I was one of them. Hamlin didn't, win a win, didn't have a win last year. Uh, kind of got rode off. Uh, like I said, I kind of expected that might be where Christopher Bell was going to go, was into that number 11 with Denny Hamlin being out. Um, but he not only came back, and I know we're coming up on hot topics, so if we want to kind of transition into that, the first hot topic, but Denny Hamlin has shown to be a different driver this year, in my opinion. Um, and, and on top of it, again, doesn't lose his cool, is focused on, like you said, the right things at the right time. So uh, I think you're going to be hard-pressed not to count him as a championship contender uh, at Miami. Yes, I think he had a momentary slip at one point, but I think he caught himself and he reined it back in and he put his focus exactly where it needed to be uh, when it was all said and done. But, yes, he is a different driver this year, and I like what we're seeing uh, we'll have to see how it continues to play out. Uh, but uh, he certainly has had a very good uh, playoff performance, and I think we've got a lot to look forward to. And we are now at the top of the hour, and uh, it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Up. So with that, <clears throat> let's go ahead and get into our first topic. Uh, and I don't see Andy here yet. I know he's on his way. Again, he comes in from work, so a lot of times he's just a couple minutes behind us. But uh, I wanted to make the first topic, actually, uh, Jay, uh, about what happened in the Xfinity Series race, and we're getting some feedback here, uh, background noise for whatever reason. Uh, but um, I did want to talk about uh, uh, the what happened post-race between Tyler Reddick and uh, Cole Custer. We did talk about it, I know, on our uh, private uh, chat that we do, but uh, I wanted to get your thoughts about it. And, uh, and when Andy gets here, I know he'll have some comments there as well. You know, again, it's part of the pressure of the playoffs, the pressure of that situation. Now, whether it had been the playoffs or not, the situation that happened on track was obviously going to be frustrating to a driver uh, Cole Custer being the one on the outside, Tyler Reddick kind of came up, pinched him into the wall. Um, I think post-race, my take on it, and I've watched it multiple times since Saturday when it happened, uh, from what I saw, Cole Custer came up and had a kind of a grin on his face and a smile. He obviously wanted to talk about his frustration, but 
I don't think came at Tyler Reddick. Yes, he put his hand on his shoulder. Apparently, Tyler Reddick is one that doesn't like to be touched. Uh, in my opinion, Tyler overreacted. And the biggest thing I took from it then is the involvement of the crews that got involved as well. Because um, mm-hmm. even, like I said, I watched this multiple times. Even after they really started tangling and, like I said, Tyler Reddick put, grabbed, uh, put both hands on him and grabbed him by the – Cole kind of still had a smile on his face. It wasn't until kind of a half punch and they went to the ground that then Cole's expression changed. Yeah, I, I I agree with that assessment. I don't think Cole had any intent of going to talk to Tyler Reddick to fight with him. I think he wanted to just make it clear that he didn't appreciate being pinched into the wall. And, and uh, that was his only purpose of going – up to Tyler Reddick, and these guys are friends otherwise. Uh, they've been friends for the entire season, and uh, so uh, I think he just wanted to, you know, say, hey, buddy, you know, I, I didn't appreciate that, but Tyler Reddick didn't take it that way. Again, it's heat of emotions immediately after the race. Both of them highly disappointed with the way they finished because they they were racing for the win when when that incident happened. Uh, and it was uh, just one of those situations. Uh, uh, I, I did see Cole Custer try to get out of that as quickly as he could, but I, I definitely agree with your assessment that the pit crew played a role in this. They were not there to put water on the fire. They actually added uh, oil to the fire, and it escalated as a result of the way that the pit crew uh, handle themselves. Now, I know Richard Childress Racing says, you guys are out there, if your driver's, you know, if somebody's coming up to the driver, your job is to protect him. But I think there was overreaction on Tyler Reddick's part. I think there was overreaction on the crew's part. Um, and, and uh, you know, again, it was heat of the moment. Timing is everything. Uh, maybe Cole could have given him a few minutes to kind of uh, absorb everything first before he approached him, but I certainly don't think Cole had any intent uh, to walk up to Tyler Reddick and, and start a fight with him. His his only intent was to say, "Listen, buddy, I wasn't happy with what happened there. Let's try not to do that again." Um, and uh, again, uh, the I know NASCAR has said that they are reviewing it. They're not going to assess any penalties to the drivers. But they are continuing to look at the role that the pit crew played in that, and uh, I'm sure we'll hear uh, more about that after they review that. So Andy is now here. First of all, welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you, Sharon. Jay, how are you doing tonight? Good. Okay. We were talking about the incident between Tyler Reddick and Cole Custer, and uh, I know we talked about it uh, in our chat. Uh, conversation, but uh, tell us your thoughts here. Yeah, that was a boring race. Nothing, nothing happened. Nothing <laughs> at all. But um, well, um, I, I, you know, to what you have already said, Sharon, I, I saw essentially the same way you did. There were there was hard racing on the racetrack. I, I'm not really even sure. I saw anything that really warranted a confrontation like that. I saw some hard racing between the two. Maybe I, I think Cole might have got run up the track at one point. Not 100% sure about that, but I think that's what happened. Um, 
you know, so I, I'm not really sure why when when he, when Cole went over, you know, to talk to Tyler, why the reaction was what it was. But um, I can only I can only assume as you know, I say it every week. I don't actually drive race cars, so I can only imagine the emotion and you know, and what's going through these drivers' minds the moment they step out of a race car after racing 300 miles. Um, you know, and obviously, um, for whatever reason, you know, when when Cole came over to talk to him and, and put a hand on him, it caused him to cause Tyler to react the way that he did. And I don't really know that uh, you can blame Tyler for being upset. I, I guess you know, for whatever reason, he too was was feeling frustrated after the race. Um, mm-hmm. I like seeing the emotion. You know, again, I'm still not 100% sure why he reacted in that manner, but I do like to see the emotion, and it obviously creates an entertainment value for all of us as fans. Um, But I don't think Cole had any ill intentions. I think he simply went over to have a a discussion and uh, got a lot more than he bargained for. Um, You know, so I'm glad that NASCAR is not going to penalize them. Like I said, I like seeing the emotion. I like seeing things like this uh, periodically. Um, because it does create um, an entertainment value for all of us. As far as the pit crews getting involved, involved, they really shouldn't. Um, I, I don't like seeing that because a lot of those pit crew guys are far, far bigger than the drivers, and and you know you could wind up hurting people even more so, you know, with them getting involved. So I, I have no problem with a driver-to-driver beef. You know, if they want to handle it themselves, that's great. Um, but I'm not sure the pit crews really have any place in, in getting involved in that. So maybe moving forward, hopefully we see maybe a little more restraint in that regard. Um, certainly an entertaining incident, <laughs> to say the least. Um, yeah, I think I think they'll be fine, those two moving forward. I think they're both just hard racers. I think that those two have an extremely good chance to, to go for the championship this year. So be fun to watch yeah, moving forward for sure. And you know that uh, media – and the TV network, they'll they'll blow it up, and that's all they'll I'll be talking it. about till Homestead. So, should be fun. Yeah. Well, Jay, any follow-ups from you? Because uh, I know you kind of felt the same way. Well, the one thing the one thing I see a little bit differently there is I do understand and see where Cole Custer had the problem. Uh, he said it following the uh, his excursion from the pile there in his interview. <laughs> that Tyler Reddick likes to run that edge. You talked about Ross Chastain running on that edge. He occasionally loses it. If he wants to do that with him and his car in the wall, that's his business. The fact that Cole is to his outside and got brought into it is where Cole had the problem. And, and I do yeah. see that as what has happened. We've seen Tyler Reddick run that way his entire career. He has gotten better at it as far as keeping it under control more often than not. This is one where he lost it a little bit, and it affected Cole Custer. Um, but like I said, I think Cole is just kind of coming up and saying, like you said, you know, they're friends of, Hey buddy, that was kind of a bonehead move on your part. You know that, right? So, um, if, if you follow either of them on Twitter, they both had, uh, some comments and jokes up about it. So I think it kind of has between the two of them been worked out. Yeah. And I suspected that that would be the case once they kind of got away from that heat of the moment, um, you know, and and if if I'm going to blame Cole for anything, it would be uh, choosing the right time to approach Tyler Reddick. He maybe approached him a little bit too soon, uh, right after the race, uh, to kind of talk about that. And he said, I think the lesson was learned pretty quickly because he said, I, I not in addition to not talking to him too soon, 
he he made the comment that I certainly won't do that again as far as touching him on the shoulder. Uh, apparently, he doesn't like to be touched. So I, I think I think uh, they both learned something from it, and and now that they're not in that heat of the moment, uh, I think they can laugh about it a little bit. But I too uh, agree with you, Jay, in that I do see why Cole made it clear why he went up and and talked to him uh, in the first place. Uh, timing maybe could have been a little bit different, but. Um, you know, it was on his mind. He wanted to approach his friend about it. He thought they were on friendly terms. Uh, as you mentioned, Jay, he went up to him with a smile on his face, put his hand on his shoulder, and he went berserk. So, you know, it, it's and again, it's timing is everything. So, um, a little bit to be said on both sides of that. But um, uh, I, do you have any follow-ups, uh, Andy? No, I don't. I think it's all been pretty well laid out there. Uh, Jay, I'm glad you were able to fill in the gaps as to where the source of frustration may have come from. I, um, Like I said, it, it was tough for me to really see what happened. I know Cole got run into the wall. I'm assuming that was the two-car that did it, so maybe that's where it all stemmed from. But nonetheless, thanks yep. for filling in the gaps. I, um, you know, um, it, It's going to be fun to see how these two race, but I, I don't think that there will be any major issues for the rest of the year. I hope not. Okay, so Andy, uh, as co-host, I'll let you go into the next topic. What do you have on your mind? Well, I think we need to acknowledge the four drivers that got eliminated and kind of wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. Obviously, uh, you had Boyer, Bowman, uh, Byron, and uh, Keselowski not moving to the round of eight. Yes, Jay, your thoughts? Uh, obviously, the Keselowski one, I mean, being that one of the four underneath that cutoff coming into this race didn't win. Uh, like I said, I mean, that really was a shock to me. Uh, it, it showed me the true value of the stage points, um, as Chase Elliott did, obviously, and then a little bit of an issue on Brad Keselowski's part. Again, we saw Joey Logano might have been in that same boat. He got some stage points, so... Um, it's it's interesting, and I think it puts the puts the the highlight and the value on the stage points every race, as Joey Logano obviously knew going into it from two or three weeks back. So, uh, being that it was Brad, I guess that I can't say it really surprises me. Of that group, I don't think he's been the strongest upfront runner. You know, again, like I said, Kyle Busch has actually kind of been lackluster here in the playoffs and was in that semi position at one point um had he had any kind of more of a problem than not and not been able to recover to finish third it could have been him so uh just makes me love this playoff format even more uh well and and i agree uh with what you said there but uh uh william byron put on a heck of a show he was doing everything he possibly could uh the coaching that he was getting from chad canals uh, you can tell that they've really built up that relationship. He talked about that after the race and and how much they've grown together uh, throughout the year and, and that they're kind of hitting on all cylinders at this point. It's just too little, too short. He, he wished it would have been earlier in the season. Uh, the big surprise, of course, was uh, Brad Keselowski. Uh, we saw Chase Elliott below that line. We saw Kevin Harvick below that line. We saw, uh, you know, several drivers. Uh, throughout the race uh, below that line. But I think what really sealed it, 
Brad Keselowski got himself that lap behind, and he was trying to catch up when Bubba Wallace had that thing that he, when his car, uh, you know, the back went out and hit uh, Brad Keselowski into the wall, and he lost six spots, and those six spots were everything uh, as far as making the difference between whether he was on the outside looking in or Joey Logano was on the outside looking in. So it could have been either one of those guys. Joey Logano did a couple of things right. You're right, Jay. He got those stage points early. He won the first stage. That gave him extra stage points. Uh, He got stage points again in the second stage. Uh, He got points for leading. Uh, He did a lot of things right in getting extra points. Uh, If you look at it, uh, he's not the lowest for stage points. Chase Elliott also has 24 stage points along with, or playoff points along with Brad Keselowski. Kyle Larson has a few, has only 11. Ryan Blaney only has nine. But if you look at what the other drivers have, Joy Logano gained stage points. He's now at 30 stage points. Denny Hamlin has 37. Martin Truex, 42. Kyle Busch has 46 stage points. Uh, so those stage points are going to be even more important in this next round. Now that these guys know just how much of a difference those stage points are going to make, um, they don't want to be in the position they were at here at Kansas Speedway again, uh, and they're going to be going after as many stage points as they possibly can, um, I think, in this next round. And, and we're going to see some incredible racing, I think, throughout the race, uh, which I think two things. The playoff has done a lot for that, but so is the stage racing. Uh, implementing the stages, I think, as well as the playoff, has made the racing so much better, uh, I think, uh, throughout these playoff races. And um, getting back, though, to uh, the guys below, Clint Boyer, I kind of felt bad for him. Uh, this was in at his home track uh, in Kansas, and it would have been great to have seen him have a, a race win. He, he gave it everything he could. Um, it just was too little to – and it wasn't just this one race. It was everything leading up to this race that made all the difference. Clint Boyer – Clint Boyer actually has no playoff points, and when you compare that with the guys that have those playoff points, that that is huge. Uh, what a huge difference that would have made for Clint Boyer had he had more playoff points coming into these playoffs. Uh, it it might have been the difference between him being out and being in. So uh, I think the lesson is definitely there for all of these guys. Alex Bowman was actually leading at one point. I thought maybe – he was going to pull it off, uh, but, uh, again, Alex Bowman has five playoff points. William Byron has one playoff point. So those playoff points made all the difference in the world, I think. So Ryan Blaney only has nine, but he had them win, and that's what made the difference for him. So, Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, um, you know, not – three of them were not really a surprise at all. I think when you look at, and, and you both said it pretty well, but when you look at, uh, you know, Clint, uh, Alex and, and uh, William, you know, while they've all been good at times throughout the year, uh, this is the playoffs, you know, and when you compare those three teams to, um, you know, the drivers that are in the round of eight, um, it's it's hard for them to really go up up against those eight drivers, um, comparatively speaking, in terms of you know points and, and finishes and, and how they've just been running overall, so 
Um, yeah, obviously, you know, disappointing for sure, but at the same time, um, it's not a surprise, really. I, I think that, um, you know, those three, you know, my feeling going into the race was there's a really good chance that they probably won't make it to the next round. Um, Keselowski was a huge surprise for me. I, I just didn't see him falling out. I thought for sure, you know, that he would make it to the round of eight. But if you kind of look at his results as of late, they've been okay, but not great. And I think that finally caught up to them. Um, you know, they just didn't have the points necessary to, you know, they didn't, they didn't have the buffer they needed to keep going, um, which is, you know, obviously disappointing for that team. But, um, you know, some fantastic driving by Chase Elliott, you know, someone who I, I thought had to win to make the next round. But I, you know, I did say on the, on the uh, Thursday show that, you know, he was one of the two I thought could get it done, and he did. So, you know, congratulations to that team. They'll keep going. It gets harder from here, certainly, in terms of trying to make it to Homestead, but they've got a chance at least. So, um, you know, obviously um, really really exciting racing. I, I didn't get to see any of the cup race on Sunday, unfortunately, but I did watch the highlights and a lot of drama when it came to the, you know, that last spot there to make it to the next round. So, um can't wait to see uh, how it all shakes out at uh, some short track racing at Martinsville next week. It's going to be exciting. Uh, Jay, do you have any any additional thoughts? No, just kind of that follow-up again. It's kind of been the, the, the way it's been all year. They got into this round of, of 12 to get to the round of 8. You pretty much got to be winning or running up front consistently throughout all the stages and finishing well up there. Um mentioned uh brad obviously it just his wins came early on in the year and we haven't seen that out of them and i think logano is the same thing and he obviously had a rough round they overcame theirs but alex bowman had those wins but again just kind of seemed to have lost that that steam if you will Uh, i know their race started rough the other one you mentioned there william byron uh we know he's right on that edge we're waiting for that breakout win and it certainly could have come at any one of these races um, and still could come here in the latter part of this year because we know he's right there. So that one wouldn't have surprised me, but I really felt like Chase Elliott and then maybe Alex Bowman were the only two that could win and get in. As it turned out, neither one of them had to win um, the way things played out. So quite interesting. It really was. Uh, I don't have much of a follow-up there, but uh, uh, Jay, it's your turn for the next topic. All right. Uh, well, and I know we were kind of talking about it as we wrapped up the the preview, or I'm sorry, race review session there with Denny Hamlin. Um, and I heard Dave Moody talk about it, and I heard Jeff Burton and Steve Letarte talk about it of when they became a believer in Denny Hamlin. Because at this point, if you're not, you might be missing the boat. And again, I'm one that, <laughs> based on history and, and what we've seen from him. Uh, I can't say when I fully became, but you really got to put him at the top of the list right now as far as, again, not only winning, but consistently finishing good, doing what he has to do, and that mentality. Uh, I can't remember what race it was, Sharon, you mentioned a little bit, where even during one interview, yeah, he started, he went off, and he said something about, I believe it was Joey Logano, bonehead move, blah, blah. And then even in that short interview, he had calmed down and changed his attitude. And I think that is a huge factor as you go through the playoffs and run for a championship. 
Yep. Uh, Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Well, Denny Hamlin's a top-tier driver. He always has been since his rookie season in 06. Um, always driven the 11 car for Joe Gibbs Racing. He's come close to winning a championship before, but there's, as you've alluded to, there's been a lot of obstacles that have gotten in the way of, of sealing the deal. Sealing the deal has really been the one thing that has not allowed him to go win a championship. Um, this is this is a year that you, you can't overlook him, though. I think he's won maybe more races this year than he has in any other season. I don't know that 100%. I'd have to look it up, but he's won a lot of races this year. He's been consistently uh, toward the front every week. They have done a fantastic job of accumulating playoff points to allow them to go deep into the playoffs to give them a chance to go to Homestead, which is what you have to do. You have to survive to to get to that last race to go make it work, happen for a championship. So they've literally, to this point, they've literally done everything right. And I think what's remarkable about that is his crew chief, Chris Gabehart, is a rookie cup crew chief. He's not a rookie crew chief, but he is to the cup series. So um, whatever they're doing is clicking right now. It's no secret that, in my opinion, the Toyotas have a distinct advantage over everybody else, and uh, they're taking advantage of that each week. So, um, you know, that's a team that I think if they can make it to the Final Four, which they've got as good a chance as anybody, um, they're going to be tough to beat. And this might be the year that he finally gets it done. I, I had heard somewhere um, that uh, the two best drivers, arguably, that have never won a championship would be Mark Martin and Denny Hamlin. And I agree with that statement 100%. Um, but this might be the year that uh, Hamlin gets it done. He certainly... Uh, he and that whole team have really done a great job of putting themselves in position, and, and they're on the verge of it for sure. Well, I certainly agree with a lot of what both of you guys have said here, and and I've said this before, so it's it's no secret. I've always felt that the person that's held Denny Hamlin back from winning a championship in the past has been Denny Hamlin. I think he's lacked a certain emotional uh, maturity uh, to be able to go after that championship. There there was something, you know, I, I don't know if you call it a black cloud or something, but there was like a black cloud over him that kind of got in his way, if you will, as far as really going after a championship. Uh, and this year I see a big change. You mentioned the interview where he kind of started to derail a little bit, and I thought, oh, no, here we go, back to the old Denny. But he caught himself, and he brought it back. So I think there's a certain – that emotional maturity is there now that has been lacking in the past. And I think that emotional maturity is what's putting him uh, in a more focused position on the racetrack uh, to be able to go after those wins. He does have five victories this season. That's the second most. Uh, behind Martin Truex Jr., who has six. Uh, Kyle Busch has four. So uh, he also has third most as far as uh, the playoff points. Uh, Kyle Busch has the 46, Truex has the 42, Denny Hamlin has 37. So he's, and a lot of that has happened during these playoffs. At least two of his victories have come during the playoffs. So I think Denny Hamlin is peaking at exactly the right time. I think that he's he's shown a maturity that I haven't seen in him in the past. There's never been a question about his talent. I know he's a talented driver. 
Uh, his talent is obvious, and, and nobody's questioning that. But it was the emotional maturity that I think was missing for Denny Hamlin. And I know he's worked with uh, coaches and and uh, people to help him with that, and it's showing that uh, he's got that now. And I think that's going to be a big difference for Denny Hamlin, and I agree. I think you've got to count him as one of those uh, uh, final four going into Homestead, Miami. I mean, barring any unforeseen circumstances, uh, I can't see Denny Hamlin not being in that top four. Uh, at this point So we'll see what happens in these next three races But uh, I, I think He's in championship form Any follow-ups? Well uh, being, being, a team, being a team Member here to Andy uh, He mentioned it, I, I pulled it up while he was talking And you were finishing there, Sharon um, As far as wins For Denny Hamlin, 2010 He had eight wins, which is when he finished Second in the points And really took uh-huh. that hard he came back with one yeah. win the next year and had five in 2012. He's got five this year, so it's, a, it's tied for his second most outside of that championship uh, run he had in 2010. Um, but I think the key factor, like you said, is his maturity level, how he's handling himself under adversity and pressure. Andy? Well, there you go. It's just that guy there uh, to help us out. I appreciate that because uh, I wasn't sure, but um, – <laughs> but uh, certainly, I just think when you when you look at it with Denny, they have just done a, a fantastic job of of making their way toward the end of the season. You know, doing what it takes to get to Homestead, and obviously the format for winning the championship is completely different than it was nine years ago. But I see a, a driver that can easily go and contend for this championship, whereas it didn't happen nine years ago. So. Um, I almost have to you could almost argue that he's the one to beat really at this point. Um mm-hmm. you know, if I had if I had to give you a name for who I think has the best chance, I think you have to say Denny Hamlin at this point. So Jay, thanks for the info there. I, I didn't realize he won eight races in twenty ten. So impressive what he's doing this year too. Yes indeed. Now we are coming up to the uh ten thirty time frame here and just a reminder to our listeners that we will go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, but we do continue recording uh, so that fans can hear the rest of our conversation during the overtime segment, and that is available on our podcast. So if you've listened up to this point to the live broadcast, all you have to do is fast forward to that, that two-hour mark, and at the two-hour mark, uh, the rest of the conversation will continue on the podcast. What I do is I go out on uh, social media and let people know that the podcast is available on uh, Twitter. And so then you know that you, you can go and listen to the podcast. We have a player on fanforracing.com. It's also available via all of the links that we've already put out on social media as well. Uh, to those people listening on the podcast, you're going to be able to listen pretty seamlessly. You'll be able to listen straight through. But we do like to remind folks at this point of the show uh, of what's about to happen so that nobody's taken aback, especially if there are any new listeners out there. So uh, thanks for tuning in. And um, uh, let's go ahead with our the rest of our conversation. I, I don't have any more follow-ups there. I think uh, it's all been articulated very well. So, uh, Andy, what's your next top topic? 
Well, this goes back to the Xfinity race. I think this was actually one of the big ones of the weekend, but a lap car wrecked both the leaders in the Xfinity Series race late in the race. And uh, I think we got to talk about this one. <laughs> what do you think? Okay, Jay, I'll let you go first. Well, actually, Sharon, you had some info there that I hadn't heard. I know Garrett Smithley had said he owned it and that um, it wasn't his spotter's fault, but you had mentioned something that NASCAR deemed it really was on the spotter. Yes, uh, I forget where I was reading that now, uh, but I did read that uh, Steve O'Connell, uh, it might have been his interview with Sirius XM on the morning drive, uh, had said that uh, when their review, when they looked at it, uh, they felt that uh, the spotter was not uh, giving the communication to the driver that he should have at that point in the race. And so uh, I think Garrett Smithley made it very clear as he was coming out of the media center, they interviewed him, and I watched the video of that today, and he was very, he he felt that it wasn't the spotter's fault uh, but I, I I have to agree with NASCAR at this point. The spotter should have been telling him that these leaders are coming up there riding on the high line, uh, stay to the bottom, and that a communication apparently did not take place. So I don't know how you can say it wasn't the spotter's point. And Garrett's part, he said he was out there running his line is the way that he put it, and his line was to go up the track at that point, uh, and with him, he had no idea. He said you, he, he really could not see them. So he was just following his line on the track, and with no communication coming from the spotter, he had no idea that those guys were, were coming there. It's very unfortunate for Christopher Bell and for Chase Briscoe. I feel really bad for them. Uh, Chase Briscoe had a great run going. I thought he was going to make his way into the championship four uh, with that run. Uh, but with that particular incident, it took both of those guys out of it. And um, uh, they recovered and came back and finished well. Uh, let's see. Let me see. i got to look at the Xfinity race here. Um, I can tell you yeah, how Briscoe they finished here. Briscoe came in third, exactly. Uh, Christopher Bell finished 12th. Uh, so they recovered a little bit from that. Chase Briscoe came back and, and, again, trying to do everything he could to get back up there. But by that point, his car was damaged, and he didn't have the same car uh, to compete. I, I applaud Garrett Smithley for taking some ownership for that, uh, but I have to agree with NASCAR. Uh, where was the spotter? The spotter should have been communicating with him and telling him, uh, what was going on on the track. And I think that's probably two times now uh, that that may have happened. We gave Garrett Smithley a lot of benefit of the doubt when it happened with Kyle Busch. Uh, and I think part of that was the way that Kyle Busch handled it. Um, uh, he handled it a little bit like a bull in a china shop and a little bit of a bully. But uh, And I think a lot of people came to Garrett Smithley's defense. But again, there should be a spotter telling him when there are leading drivers coming up on him and they have that momentum. And, and I don't think the spotter's doing that. And honestly, I can't tell you right now who the spotter is, but I, I call this as a spotter error. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? 
Well, I, I admire Garrett for trying to protect his spotter and say it wasn't his fault, but he said it himself. He didn't know the leaders were coming, especially in the high line there. So yes. uh, you almost have to wonder then again, well, how is that not the spotter's fault? That is their job. So, exactly. um, you know, if NASCAR did a review and said, hey, we never heard nothing from them. But on the other hand, if Garrett Smithley was still doing what he had been doing all race, running his line, uh, you know, you can't exactly say again. You're not required to get out of anybody's way. I understand he's laps down, but he's still racing for his sponsor, you know, his money and all that and his team. So if that's where his car was working, it, some of it too, though, is on the leaders to work their way around the lap car. Uh, I don't feel like he made an abrupt move up in front of them. It was just a matter of that much faster. Um, and, again, him not even knowing they were coming. Had he been told, hey, they're coming off of, you know, the turn at this closure rate, don't go all the way up to the wall, give them room up there, maybe he would have done that exactly. differently. Um, I know when it first happened and, and there was some discussion about it of Bell checking up and not paying attention and that caused Chase to get into him. But watching it back more than once, Bell wasn't going to get by him either. I mean, even if he didn't get bumped or whatever, he tried to check up and still hit Garrett. Uh, he wasn't going to get by without hitting him or having a problem regardless, just because he came in on him that fast. Yeah, I think that both of those guys had quite a bit of momentum going. And actually, if you watch that video, Garrett was all the way down on the bottom when they started that momentum, and they were moving forward at the top, and then he just glided right up to the top, and they had no time to slow down. So I'm sorry I jumped in there, but, Andy, I want to know your thoughts. <laughs> well, I'll just start out by saying my blood pressure, I think, is finally back to normal um, now that we're two days later. Um, Did you somebody know, put their hand on your shoulder? Yeah, (laughs) someone might as well have. So I have another driver I follow, and that's Chase Briscoe, and I was fairly convinced there for a while that he might actually punch his ticket to the championship for. um, I have to start out by saying that kid has really come on strong here in the last few weeks and really making a statement that I think we might have to start calling in one of the big four. I know he hasn't got the wins that some of those guys do, but he's just doing a fantastic job and just getting better every week. But anyway, as far as the incident at hand, um, at first I thought perhaps it was the 20 car. You guys know how I felt about that. And a lot of that was the 98 crew chief. Was He thought it was the that way too. But, yeah, the replay shows the lap car came up, and I, it basically get into the 98 car who had hit the brakes. And obviously when you're going 180 something miles an hour, Christopher had nowhere to go. Um, and it's, it's just, it's just really heartbreaking to see two championship contenders and the two race leaders, uh, get the win taken from them. Nothing against Brandon Jones for winning the race, but Brandon Jones wasn't mm-hmm. going to win that race. If those leaders were still in it at the end, um, those those two guys were going to battle it out for the win, and I think it was going to be a really good battle for the checkered flag. So it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see that. Um, I do have a little bit of insight on the whole spotter driver thing with Garrett Smithley. I was listening to another racing podcast that had some information on this that said this, you know, after the race, the spotter and, and Garrett talked about it. I don't really want to say who the spotter is to throw him under the bus, but he is a cup spotter. He does not spot for Garrett Smithley in the cup series. That was a different spotter when he drove the 52 car at Vegas. 
Um, but nonetheless, they had a discussion in which the spotter said the information was given going into turn three that the leaders were coming running the top lane. Um, the crew apparently the the, the the zero car crew chief confirmed that the spotter did relay the information. So the information did get out there to the driver, and apparently some for whatever reason there was a disconnect to where he didn't apparently didn't process it or something. That's what I heard. That may not be 100% true, but that's what I heard on another racing podcast is that the information did get put out there. That being said, apparently the information was provided going into turn three, and from what I understand, there were further updates given. So um, that's unfortunate because, you know, coming off turn four, it might have been good to know that they were ten back, five back, and closing. Um, Correct. I don't know that that I don't know that that information was ever relayed. So, um, nonetheless, it's just uh, it's just really disappointing um, that that happened and that it affected the outcome of a race. Um, that is the second time now that that's happened with this particular driver. So, um, I think that while you might have to put some of the blame on the spotter, I think you have to put a lot of it on the driver too. Um, you know, when you're making mistakes like that on a weekly basis, or not a weekly basis, but that's twice now, you know, in the last month and a half or so that that's happened. So, again, you know, the information I have isn't official, nor does it necessarily mean it's 100% true, but I I did hear through, like I said, another form of, you know, another podcast that the information at least was provided to him going into three. So, and he's a veteran spotter. He's not somebody that does that does this, you know, on a part-time basis, he, he has a full-time cup job too. So um, just unfortunate. And, and from what I also understand, that spotter no longer works with Smithley anymore. So a change will be made going into the next race at Texas in two weeks. So um, okay. a lot of implica- a lot of implications, um, you know, and you just, you just hate to see it. You know, it's easy. It's, I just, I got to finish all by saying this. It's easy for me to sit here and judge, but I don't spot cars and I don't drive cars. So things happen really quickly. Um, but as a fan, it's really frustrating when you, you see potential. I mean, really, when you think about it, you see season, season implications at bay here. If Briscoe wins that race, he goes to Homestead with a chance to win the championship. He's currently below the cut line. And if he has a, you know, a couple mm-hmm. poor races at, at Texas and, and Phoenix, you know, that's the difference between being an Xfinity Series champion and not. So, um, you know, you, you just you really hate to see, quite frankly, a silly move on the racetrack that could have been preventable affect the outcome of a race. And, and that's just above all else, that's the, the disappointing part about it. Okay. Jay, any follow-ups there? No, I, that's one again. It's between the two of them of, of who really did get what and whatnot, and uh, I guess it'll be handled otherwise uh, to make sure it doesn't happen again. And that's the biggest thing is is to make sure it doesn't happen uh, again that way. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think that's NASCAR's intent, and they are looking at it, uh, and. Uh, uh, They'll take it from there, I guess. But at this point, uh, I guess I have more faith in what Steve O'Connell, Steve O'Donnell, is saying uh, as far as what his his thoughts are. I do agree that if you're telling the guy that in turn three, if they're going into turn four, uh, and and 
that close rate is happening very quickly, I think you gotta you gotta follow up and you gotta let them know, you know, they're they're right there or you know, one car length, you know, half car length or whatever, uh, just to give the driver some sense there. I, I do agree to a certain degree. Uh, the fact that this has happened twice now with the same driver, and now you're telling me two different uh, uh, spotters, there has to be some part of that on Garrett Smithley to a certain degree, but I, I, I do think the spotter played a big role in this, and, and that's what NASCAR is saying. Uh, so, you know, again, I applaud Smithley for taking credit for it. Um, he's saying he felt embarrassed by it, especially knowing that it's it's the second time that it happened. Uh, he was very humiliated by the whole experience. Um, so hopefully we won't see that happening again, especially with him involved. Uh, but um, uh, and I don't know who the crew chief was, so you know maybe you can tell me that later. But I I just I just uh, feel like there maybe could have been something more said there. So, and NASCAR says that they've reviewed it and, and they feel like it was spotter error. So uh, the fact that he's not going to be working with Smithley again kind of implies some other conversations have taken place. And, um, you know, that we're, everybody's going to move on from here. So we'll just let it go from that. Andy? Yeah, no, I, I think to close out, I, I, I think that um... – I think it was really, if you want to put blame any particular area, I think it really goes on both. Really, um, mm-hmm. you know, so you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and completely exonerate the driver or completely exonerate the spotter. I think that it's a, a joint responsibility for for the outcome of this incident for sure. It's just unfortunate, you know. I mean, neither the driver nor the spotter set out to do that. It was an accident, you know. I mean, I'm sure they both feel bad about it, but. You know, you just you just hate to see it. That's all. And and hopefully, yeah. um, you know, you hope that we don't see that again. You know, that's really all it comes down to. Um, you know, and and that's and that's pretty much it. You know, it just uh, you hate to see it. Um, you hate to see it affect anybody, but certainly you hate to see it affect two potential race winners and two you know title contenders. It's just uh, it's disappointing. And yeah, I can only imagine how Garrett felt about that. I'm sure he you know looking back on it realized that it was a really tough position to be in and a tough thing that happened. So um, I don't know. We'll see. But um, that was certainly, I think, one of the, you know, the bigger topics over the weekend for sure. And uh, hopefully going to Texas next week that um, we don't see a repeat of that either, you know, in any of the series moving forward. Well, I think the good news, Andy, is that we are going to Texas next week. And, uh, you know, it's another 1.5-mile track. Briscoe is so good at Kansas, uh, and and uh, hopefully he'll be equally good at Texas, and uh, he'll be able to come up with that win because I'm like you, and, and Jay will affirm this. Earlier in the show I was saying exactly the same thing. Um, I'm so impressed with what we saw from Chase Briscoe at Kansas Speedway, and uh, I definitely am looking forward to seeing him race at Texas Motor Speedway because hopefully we'll be we'll be able to see him have a good run there. Well, not only that, Sharon, but he led 71 laps at Dover, and I thought they were going to win that one too until late in the race. Mm-hmm. So they've, whatever 
they found something here in the last probably two three weeks, and they're they're coming on strong at the right time. So we'll see if they if they make it to Homestead. Uh, Jeff Burton has said more than once that um, he saw them test there a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, and that mm-hmm. might be something to look. Might be someone to look out for, so we'll we'll see how it goes here in the next couple races. Yep. Well, Jay, we've been following Chase Briscoe for a long time uh, from his Cunningham Motorsports days. He was sweeping floors there a few years ago. Uh, got a ride, a, par, uh, a ride, a one-off ride with uh, Cunningham Motorsports. Went out and won the race. And then they gave him a full-time opportunity in the ARCA Racing Series, and he went out and won the championship and uh, has been doing well in the trucks and now uh, in the Xfinity Series. So uh, I see Chase Briscoe as one of those quick studies uh, that can really get it done. Uh, he most certainly is, and, and I know we talked about this already. There's a, not enough room at the end already. But that's the next one that yeah. has been become a part of Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, we're already talking about Cole Custer. Obviously, I think Briscoe should come back full-time next year in that ride um, with Stuart Haas and, and see what happens. Um, you know, he's got the, got the one win this year that we got to see at Chicagoland, but obviously is putting himself in contention for a championship, um, kind of like Cole Custer, the one race a year, maybe not what you want to see. So we'll see how a second year there does. But that puts him kind of in that mind of now what? <laughs> well, I, I definitely see him and Cole Custer being the future of uh, Stuart Haas Racing, and I know, Andy, you do too. Uh, so I think we've got a lot to look forward to there. Yeah, for sure, and I agree. I, I think that one of I'm, this is me being selfish too, but if, if Custer, Reddick, and Bell all go at cup racing next year, um, Briscoe has the chance to be, quite frankly, I think pretty deadly in the Xfinity Series next year. So, um, yeah, a lot to look forward to, uh, for sure. He, he's just fun to watch, a, a true talent, and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be fun to see him progress even further as time goes on. I totally agree. Okay, what's our next topic, Jay? Well, if, since we're talking about Stuart Haas Racing and the playoffs, Where's the closer at? <laughs> uh, well, right below now. the cut line in fifth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right now he's below the cutoff line, and we'll have to see what happens when we go to Texas uh, and uh, Phoenix. He's really good at Phoenix. So I, I think he's going to be tough to beat there. I mean, he he has been there all year, and, and you take nothing away from good top ten finishes. But we've seen that it, the championship is about winning. And, you know, again, most of the time, yeah, you don't hear much about him. You run down the list, okay, he finished in the top ten. But where's he at? He's below the cutoff line right now going into this next round. So, Andy, what are your thoughts? I just don't see enough out of him to put him in my final four and I I'd love for him to be in the final four, you know. Um it'd be cool to see him get there. But I um that that whole organization is not living up to what it did in twenty eighteen. Um to put it in perspective, this time last year they had three cars in the round of eight. They've only got one this year in Harvick who leads that team and 
quite frankly, I think carries that team at times, um, comparatively speaking to his three teammates. And even Harvick, who, you know, finally did get, what is he, won three races this year toward the end of the summer, they've just kind of been hanging out there. You know, I, I don't really know that they're at the level of, you know, the three Gibbs cars that are in the playoffs still or at the level of Logano or, you know, or even, you know, I, I really kind of look at him as being back kind of in the bottom four of that of the eight drivers that are left, and that's where he resides right now. He's fifth. Um, that being said, though, um, he is the defending race winner of Texas in a couple weeks, and he's really good at, at ISM Raceway in Phoenix. So it just you can't count him out. I mean, you look at Kevin Harvick. We every time you start to doubt that team and, and Roddy Childers and those four guys. They always seem to come through and make it happen. So I won't count him out. I definitely think that there's a good chance he can get it done. But at the same time, I'm I'm seeing other drivers and teams run better. And so it's hard for me to put him as the favorite. This time last year, I would have said hands down as the four car. This year, I think it's the 11 car. So, um, you know, I think he's got a little bit of work to do if they expect to win a championship this year, as I think that whole organization is off from where they were last year. Um, but right now is they're going to have their work cut out for them. And I think that starts off with a, I think they need to go have a strong run at Martinsville this weekend. Well, I do think that Kyle Larson and Ryan Blaney coming up with wins during the playoffs, uh, makes them people to keep your eye on, uh, as well as Chase Elliott. Uh, Chase Elliott had a good run at Kansas Speedway. He's going to be strong, I think, at Texas Motor Speedway as well. Uh, I think all three of those guys are going to be strong at Texas Motor Speedway. And they're going to be doubling down. And Joey Logano cannot afford to have any more mulligans. I mean, he's he's had a couple of mulligans already. And if he wants to compete at Homestead, Miami, he's going to have to – his team is going to have to avoid the mulligans that – that they've been experiencing, and you're right. Kevin Harvick's been a little bit lackluster. He's been there at times, but he hasn't been closing. Uh, what his nickname implies, he has not been the closer here of late. He he started the playoffs pretty strong. I thought he was going to peak at the right time, but then it seemed like he, he his star kind of fizzled. Uh, and if it continues to fizzle, then I think there could be trouble for him because, he, again, his playoff points – uh, are not in the range, same range as, say, a Kyle Busch or a Martin Truex. I think Kyle Busch has been kind of sailing in through the playoffs on his playoff points, but and he's certainly earned that by having as many playoff points as he has. But Kyle Busch, too, is going to have to step it up if, in this next round if he wants to make it to uh, Homestead, Miami, uh, because you've got drivers like Ryan Blaney and Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott uh, that are out there running for race wins and, and doing a pretty darn good job of it. So I, I think this next one is going to be really intense, and uh, I think some people, some tempers are going to flare, and I think uh, some people's feelings are going to be hurt because they're not going to make the playoffs. So you mean Jay, like it? Uh, you, like uh, <laughs> you mean like at Martinsville this weekend, like we saw last year, yes. perhaps? <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yes. Um, I do mean. My, my my concern with Kevin Harvick is when you talk about a good championship run is is not having any little mistakes. 
And that's why I said, for me, Hot Topic started on Friday as they failed to get through qualifier through uh, yes inspections. Now there you go. And I realized they said they passed, and then they had to adjust something that was wrong that they found and weren't comfortable with. But in that, also then knocked something else out of a line, and they failed the third time, the next time by, um, which put them into a penalty. So uh, you you just can't be having things like that at this point in the game. Right. That that sounds like sloppiness on my part, on on their part, not my part. I had nothing to do with it, but I, I'm, I'm glad part. to see you owned up to it. Yeah, no, I'm glad to see you own up to it, Sharon. You know, it's, it's your fault Kevin didn't win. I, <laughs> made made a bad wedge just there, huh, Sharon? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that that's sloppiness on their part. And you're right. This is not a championship team. If they're that sloppy in the in the inspection process, so yeah, I, I, <laughs> I I'm not taking any ownership of it. <laughs> That's definitely on the team. <laughs> so any anything else you guys want to talk about? Um, if we got a, I know we got what five minutes left here. I know there was some discussion, and and it wasn't obviously a concussion situation, which is a more serious one. But there was some discussion on whether or not Kyle Larson should have run this weekend with his ribs the way they were. Yeah. Um, he had to have a, you know, obviously after Talladega, um, had some pain in him. He got a, a shot in the butt, as he said, um, for it, <laughs> and said it helped for the first part of the race, but obviously came back into play. Uh, whether or not, and obviously we don't go back to the old days. I know that came up. Richard Petty r- raced with a broken net. Uh, Ricky Rudd duct taped his eyes open. You know, we don't see that anymore. Um, well, the but rules this is certainly one. Well, and, and right, absolutely. And I don't know how NASCAR would have reacted to that, uh, but even the whole starting race and then getting out. Um, and I know it's one of those, you know, it's, it's the driver that's got to make that determination. But like I said, there was a lot of discussion of whether or not he should have been in the car. Okay, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, no, that's um, I didn't realize it was hurt that bad, honestly. Uh, you know, I think that when you look at the safety of these cars today, it's easy to forget that when they do take hits like that, that the driver can still get hurt. So, um, you know, as to whether or not he should have been in the car, I. You know, I tend to think if it was if it was truly really bad, he, he wouldn't have driven. Uh, but that being said, with his present inju- injuries, there's always the chance that you, you further aggravate that and make it so that you, you can't even finish the season. So I see where the concern comes in, but, um, you know, I, 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 I tend to think deep down that, you know, if it was really, truly that bad, they, they would have reevaluated it because he was going to make their next round regardless by virtue of the win at Dover. So, um, you know, you do have to wonder if maybe sitting it out. But that being said, um, you know, thinking about momentum and thinking about, um, you know, keeping things going, you know, I think it's important that Larson drive the car if necessary because, you know, you throw another driver in there for a race, it can throw the team off potentially and throw them off, you know, maybe weeks down the road. I don't know. So, but nonetheless, I think that it was important for Kyle to run the race if he if he could and he did. So, um, you know, we'll just have to see how this possibly affects him moving forward. Yeah, I, I see your point, Andy, and 
I don't know. I guess my initial thought was because he showed pictures of himself icing his ribs. Uh, they were, at very least, bruised really bad. He said he didn't want to go see the doctor. Uh, so he didn't really know what the condition of his ribs were. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, when they said that he got a shot, uh, I was thinking that's not good because how's he going to pass the drug screening that NASCAR does if he got a shot and then got into the race car? Um, and I don't know what kind of a shot it was, but uh, the thing is, I think it might have benefited him to maybe sit out at this race, knowing that this is an elimination race. He's he's safe. He's got the win under his belt. He knew he was going to advance to the next round. Why not sit out this race, let your body heal a little bit more, and then get back in the car at the next race uh, at Martinsville? And I don't even know if I would have done Martinsville, but at least he would have been more healed at Martinsville than he was at this race. Um, and I know he's going to take a lot of bumping and banging there too, but I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, the fact that, like you said, the the rules have changed and NASCAR has put this in place, and I think that in this case, um, like you said, he was already locked in. Um, it wasn't going to affect anything other than maybe picking up a stage point or two, possibly winning the race, which is five. I get that. Um, and which maybe that is what came into play. could have done, too. At least, at least if he'd have started the race and then swapped out as far as partway through, yes. Um, right. Because I believe – believe that the driver still has that rule is still in place the the to get points the driver has to start the race um but even if not you're you know i understand you're possibly giving up those points like you said though going into martinsville which isn't his best track anyway i think i'd have taken the week to, to heal up a little bit more yeah it, it, it just and then you've got uh after that, you've got Texas and then Phoenix. Texas is a, is not a super speedway, but a 1.5-mile track. Uh, I think I'd been a little more comfortable with him by then getting back into the car, and, and I think he could have run well there. But, you know, I understand Andy's point, too, of keeping that momentum because he has built some momentum uh, in the playoffs with his victory in last round. And uh, I think Texas is going to be another opportunity for Kyle Larson and Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott. I'm, I can't wait to see which one of them uh, kind of rises to the top with the, the with the rest of the cream. Well, I okay. think, Andy, I think Andy, again, Andy. talk about. Oh, I was going to say, talk about the perseverance. Uh, Chase Elliott's team's done that. I know they're back under the cut line, but these are some three more good tracks co- coming for him. Mhm. Andy, any other thoughts on your end? No, I'm n- not too much. Um, kind of to echo what Jay just said. You know, Elliot right now is the one that's showing the most grit. I feel like if anybody, and uh, you might see him make his way to that final four. You never know. So, uh, looking forward to yep. Sunday. I love Martinsville. It's one of my favorites, and I'm I'm always excited when the series goes there. So it should be a fun weekend. Okay, we're at the top of the hour, so it's time for us to uh, go ahead and do our roundtable, and uh, uh, we'll look forward to uh, talking to everybody again on Monday night. So let's go ahead, Jay. 
All right, you follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, for me, Alasky14 on uh, Twitter. I'm Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio elsewhere. And uh, we are, of course, at fanforacing.com. And uh, I did put up today uh, some updates to uh, kind of the uh, schedule and stats that I have for the both the Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Cup Series. So uh, if you want to kind of check that out, it gives the schedule for the remainder of the season, as well as uh, the race results, the point standings, and uh, the race winners so far during the playoffs for both of those series. There's also one up there for the Gander Outdoor Truck Series uh, that uh, when they have their race next week, that will be updated as well. So uh, looking forward to uh, uh, next week's show on Monday night. And uh, we also have a show this Thursday night, which is our uh, preview show for the uh, preview of Martinsville, as well as Kern County Raceway for the Canon Pro Series West. So uh, looking forward to that, and uh, that'll be with co-host Jay Huseman, and then we'll be back on Monday night, hopefully with uh, Sal Sagawa. And uh, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you, and uh, hope you'll continue to tune in as the season uh, and playoffs continue to wind down here. So with that, let's call it a wrap, guys. Have a good night. Good night, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.